Blog Talk Radio. Southern Sports Central, your source for all things sports, with your host, Richie Altman, Richie Altman. and Eugene Benton taking your call at 323-784-9681. Now, let's join Richie in the studio. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Rich Yellman alongside Eugene Benton coming across the other side of the glass, taking your calls throughout tonight's broadcast. You can do that while reaching out during the show at 323-784-9681. Again, the number to call out throughout the three solid hours of this show is 1-323-784-9681. You can find us on the World Wide Web throughout this broadcast and every broadcast and well throughout the entire day and every day on Twitter at SO Sports Central. We're doing it big on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and, of course, uh, on the gram, Instagram at Southern Sports Central as well. It's been a uh, very busy day uh, just uh, overall. We've seen a lot of news and notes. If you're here in the great state of South Carolina, thanks to some of our connections around the social media world, but high schools that are looking for coaches and uh, a couple of high schools looking for games, there's a lot of that being talked about. We'll get into some of that here tonight. Uh, also, how about the NCAA throwing out a few new rules, throwing out some uh, some concrete conversations, if you will, and we'll talk about the one-and-done transfer portal, right? That was, I think, the biggest thing that all high school coaches and just in general, all of us, were glad to see them put some type of regulation on what I feel. And, again, I had this conversation today at lunch with a bunch of my buddies. We, uh, of course, um, really – sat down to enjoy the meal, but yet have a, a conversation on uh, some college football. And, and one of the main things is that you see these older coaches that are tired of uh, the lack of accountability, credibility, and just having to go through some of the tough stuff, right? I mean, they're able to just dip out when they want to get out. And uh, that's why I really believe Roy Williams left the, uh, the, the world of coaching. I think you'll see more 
of these older coaches start to exit stage left, even though they put in the stipulation of the one and done. And, Eugene, I'll bring you in now, of course, as, uh, you know, I know you track it very closely. That's one of the many assignments I give you. But with the NCAA now able to kind of put a few things in play, uh, and, and this came out about, what, 19, 20 hours ago, and today I believe a few more guys put some things out because I think they also released some more information. Yeah, you know, uh, a couple of the big rulings, obviously the transfer ruling was the one that they confirmed the uh, first off. Uh, you get that one-time free pass. And, uh, you know, this year uh, it was exacerbated by the COVID thing because guys decided to sit out. Some decided to sit out instead of playing that third year and opt for the NFL draft for, for football that was. Uh, some guys decided, you know, hey, it's not working out here. I got to pass some uh, somewhere else. And I take my talents to some other school. We saw that, especially in, in football and basketball. Uh, the basketball, right after the tourney, you know, after those coaching changes were made, we saw a lot of guys, you know, dip out. Uh, from Alabama, uh, some going to Alabama. Uh, locally, Charleston Southern, one of their best players they've had in a long time, has now transferred to the University of Florida. Uh, some guys, especially around the Texas, Texas Tech, you know, Texas Tech had that final four a couple of years ago. Uh, their head coach takes the job, gets a big-time paycheck at the University of Texas, and some of the guys uh, said, hey, I'm sticking by my coach, and I'm taking this free pass, and I'm going with them. Um, so it does add a different angle. You know, they only have so many scholarships to divvy up. You know, like we've said many times, quite often, you know, they, they want those older sort of mature guys, you know, and whether they transfer because of playing time or something else, Typically, it just seems like uh, a lot of the coaches prefer to have someone who's already had that year or so outside of uh, the house of mama and, uh, you know, been in a weight program, uh, played, you know, either played or, or, or was on a team. They kind of like that maturity level and that, you know, that, that difference in age, I guess. Um, it seems, I guess, they weigh it a little differently. Maybe it's a little less riskier than a, a kid coming out of high school that, you know, has never been outside of their hometown or their home and, uh, you know, I guess they just look at it that, you know, there's too many unknowns. And um, so, you know, we, we keep telling high school kids, man, you better make sure that resume academically and athletically is number one because right now if there's a chance for, you know, a big-time high school baller or somebody who's already been, you know, at that level, it seems to us that they're choosing that someone who's already been at that other level. Um, so that was definitely a big-time ruling that came out. Um you know, we did get the ruling. It looks like we're, you know, the camps are wide open now. We're going to have campus visits. Uh, that means the athletes, it's a, a hybrid uh, quiet period. The quiet period has been such that they could call you, and you could call them, and they can email and write and Zoom and all that. Um, but also, too, uh, you could go to their campus, whether it be for a camp or an unofficial or official visit. Uh, that's now part of the quiet period. Um the hybrid part is, and one thing we're trying to get clarification on, we've heard from a couple uh, schools that said, you know, well, they're also going to allow us this weird exception where we can bring guys in like a small group to do a sort of like a camp atmosphere, like they call it a workout. Um, and, and that's so, you know, for folks that are hesitant about going to big, big camps with a bunch of people and things like that, they're going to give them that opportunity. Now, college coaches are smart. I think what they're going to do is they're going to invite their, their A1s on that recruiting board and say, hey, you know, no need to come to this, you know, camp with 50 other dudes. Man, we're going to bring you in with about four or five others and give you kind of that one-on-one attention with our coaches. I think it's smart. 
You know, they, they get paid the big bucks for a reason. They're at that level because they're good at what they do. Part of what they do is evaluation of talent. I think we're going to see that. Um, what the quiet period does entail, as opposed to a you know open period, is uh, high school coaches won't be allowed to come to your campus. They won't be able to come to your high school, sit down with you in your coach's office. They won't be able to come to your practice. So you're going to have to go to them. And that does, you know, create some hardships for some people. But, again, you know, they've been working on this going back to February when they put it in motion with the committee of, you know, we need to work out something that works that keeps the COVID protocols. And I think that they feel that the colleges have better resources to make sure COVID protocols are are kept in check as opposed to, you know, just going from high school to high school. It also kind of creates a a central atmosphere as opposed to – going around from place to place. So that'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. We have seen and, you know, we've posted out a ton of college camps. Now, we haven't gone too far west. I think the furthest west that we've gone is Oklahoma State. Now, we did uh, we did do some in the northeast, you know, especially with some of the Ivies and I think University of Connecticut and some things like that. Um, you know, we've gone down all the way south to, to Miami. We've hit up as many conferences as we could. Again, you know, part of what we do is dig for information. Uh, Some schools still have, you know, hey, we're waiting until the final hearing comes down on Thursday, which is today, before they would post some things. I know uh, locally what we hear is uh, Coastal Carolina will be putting theirs out either tomorrow or over the weekend or maybe uh, early next week, something like that. I know some people in the state especially are looking forward to that camp or those camps. Stay tuned. Coach Doyle's a, a, a great friend of the program, and he'll get it going. And, you know, he'll, he'll put it out there, so we'll be able to communicate that very soon. Uh, Coach Doyle's great at what he does. They have a great staff. You know, they want to put together a camp basically that matches their level of play, man. They're, they're Division One. They're big time. They played in a big time bowl this year. They were ranked. You know, they're not going to do anything that's not first class. We know that. So, anyway, th- those guys, from what we hear, they're putting it together. Stay tuned. We'll, we'll have that one out there as well. I believe Clemson's also finalizing some stuff. They usually have this big-time camp where everybody spends the night on campus, and I think that's probably going to be the biggest uh, hindrance for them. We'll see what Coach Sweeney and those guys do as well. Um, and then finally today, boy, or, or might have been late yesterday, was the new academic requirements. It looks to me, as far as we can tell, by reviewing everything that we can, um, for 2022s now, they've extended out the 2022s. The GPA requirements are going to be a little bit different. Uh, they did lower them a little bit um, for those guys who've been normally on the cup. However, there's a redshirt option, an academic redshirt option. So if you have the credits but don't have the GPA, you could still enroll and still receive uh, what they call the uh, athletic aid, which would be you know, the scholarships and things like that. Um, but you may not be able to play that first semester if you're a fall athlete. So, that is something that, you know, I I hate for us. I don't want it for you and I to get into a whole interpretation of the rules. That's why we put it out there, and that's for the high school coaches to read over it and to read over it with their guidance department or, or athletic director and or all the above, you know, so that they can interpret it the way they feel is best. You know, we just don't want to give out too much advice and say this is the rule because neither one of us, you know, we're not NCAA certified. There are guys, you know, a lot of folks out there that are. Uh, so, so that information is available. We did post, you know, the four pages that were released from the NCAA themselves. 
So it's not something we got from some other source. It comes directly from the NCAA on their letterhead. Um, but I thought one of the most interesting parts of that was the uh, ACT-SAT requirement. Now, we know all over the country, uh, my son is now taking his third SAT, so we know all over the country that there are still options to take the test. That said, there are still tons of SAT, ACT centers that are closed. They still aren't, are not testing in a bunch of areas. Therefore, I think that's why the NCAA went ahead and, and said, you know, well, if you have that 3.2 in the core over, uh, I think it was 10 credits going into your seventh semester, you're considered a qualifier. Uh, but the one caveat, and that's what we're trying to dig into, it says is you're eligible for a waiver. Now, on the four pages they released, I can't determine what exactly qualifies for NCAA waiver. Again, that's why, you know, I defer or we defer, you know, guys sit down, their head coaches, the athletic directors, guidance counselors, whoever, um, and, and try to figure out, you know, well, do I or do I not? The last thing we want to do is give bad advice. Someone think they're eligible or whatnot, and then, you know, uh, the guys at Southern Sports Central said something, and, and we live by that. You know, we're, we're trying to put out the information, all of it that we can. If we do get clarification on that waiver, you know, we're certainly posted out there. But I would, you know, we want to sit here in the safe chair and say, you know, if we share something, it's legit. We, we try not to break news, you know, like, you know, because sometimes that's not what we're about. But some, and sometimes that comes to bite you in the butt because stories aren't either complete or, you know, every time you hear something on the Internet, it's not always true. That's why, again, when we share something, we, we try not to uh, cite another news source. Uh, again, you know, with the academic requirements, um, we actually posted the uh, four-page memo from the NCAA. So all in all, I think it's a good, it's a good move. Again, because not everybody's on the same playing field when it comes to academics, meaning, you know, not eligible to take that test. And, and let's face it, man, I, I, Coach Committee and I have talked at this ad nauseum. Um, to me, I have a hard time putting equal footing on four-year body of work, meaning your, your grades and your academics, to the same as a four-hour test. I just don't think that's – I don't think that's a good measure. I don't think that's a great. And measure. not everybody will test well. I, I right. think that's, not, that's kind of the thing well. too that you need exactly. to know. Exactly. And, and, and to kind of touch a, a little bit about what you said, we I want to be clear. And, and he said who and, and he didn't mean anything by it, but it can be misconstrued when when he when Eugene mentions sit down with your head coach. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be pretty black and white here with you. Okay, uh, uh, players, sit down with your parents. Okay, you sit down with your head coaches. Head coaches, okay? Don't care what sport. Your head coaches in high school. Sit down with your administration in high school. Sit down with your counselors in high school, okay? You guys and girls that are, that are five stars and, and four, you got a lot of love out there, okay? You got a lot of people that want to ride that train, that want to get in there and be a part of what you're doing. They want to see you be great. And not all of them, I'm going to be honest, have the same positive motives that you would think they would. That's why yeah. I think so it let's is piggyback I on that. Yeah. Gotta be. Let's definitely that? piggyback on that because here's the deal. For you to be eligible uh to enroll at a university or college, um especially any four year school, whether it be division one, division two, quite sure about division three or NAIA, but I know for dang sure for division one and division two, if you for, before you can enroll 
your high school counselor, not your coach, not your, you know, uh, trainer or anybody like that, has to send your transcript certified. It has to be sealed with their signature on the envelope, meaning they can't be opened. And they have to send it in to the 99999 code, which is the NCAA clearinghouse. So that's where you need to get have that conversation. You need to have the conversation with the folks that are ultimately going to send in your information and make sure you're eligible because your high school guidance counselor, you know, your principal, they're the ones that's going to certify that transcript. That's what matters to NCAA. They don't care how big you are, how fast you are, what you can do. They only care as far as the clearinghouse concerns is what those core classes are and what that GPA is. And if that transcript is certified, if that transcript's not certified, you know, and if you got bad advice, you know, you're going to show up at campus and they're going to tell you, hey, you know, you got to sit in the dorm until we get this straightened out or you might have to go home. And we've seen that before. We've seen a lot of guys even, at, you know, transferring from other schools like two-year colleges and JUCOs. Um, I followed, you know, Gamecock recruiting closely for 15 years. I've seen a lot of guys. We had a, a gentleman, a receiver last year that had to wait like three games to get certified. So, that you know, that certification process ain't no joke. And, again, that's why, you know, I wanted to piggyback on that because that was a good point. You can get a lot of advice from a lot of people, but, you know, you need to uh, – uh, and I'll, I'll refer back to uh, the former President Bush. You need to let the deciders make the decisions. And, uh, you know, for athletes and parents that want to be, you know, that, that need to be involved in that process, you need to really go to the folks that, that are going to look at this, going to interpret it, going to look at your transcripts and the folks that are going to be sending those transcripts into the clearinghouse because ultimately that's what's going to say whether or not you can participate. Yeah, and, and, and Eugene's exactly right here. And, and, guys, you know, we had, you know, a great panel on here. Or the guest list was pretty solid on, of course, Monday. And, and the coach that came in here from York, right, uh, he is uh, a big-time player in the Coaches Association. He's part of that recruiting uh, part of it, it sounds like. Uh, and we're excited to be a part of that Coaches Association here on Southern Sports Central. But I love the fact that we're in motion to lock down – all the outside noise, right? Again, we are here for the athletes. We are here for the head coaches. And, again, that's where it starts. And I cannot stress enough that you've got to prepare yourself for success because lacking of that is preparing to fail, right? So you keep that in mind. Uh, Quickly, before we uh, have to go to break here, get ready. The bus is uh, still going to stay here in Charleston today at 630, at least it will, because the big guy, David Shelton, comes in from the, of course, Post and Courier covers all the spring sports here around the low country. I know we covered the hit tournament where Somerville ends up winning it and won it. And Sal had to come back, I believe, battle-tested, well-rested, but did what they needed to to win the hit tournament. Now, that's coming off of winning the IP Classic, one of the other prestige tournaments in the country. Uh, Somerville very good. Dealing with some injuries. Dealing with some injuries. I won't get into that. Maybe David touches on it. But depth is their love language, and they have that. Over at Somerville, seems to be a team that you need to keep your eye on, and a few others that will let David step in here, talk baseball, softball. We'll talk, of course, uh, lacrosse. It's a sport. It's a thing. We're doing it here on Southern Sports Central. We'll also talk a little bit about the soccer program, the track and field. He will hopefully be able to dial all of that up with us. Uh, also, then at 7 o'clock, we're going to be in here with uh, York. How about that? The running back, y'all, from York High School, R.J. Glasgow. He'll be hanging in here, hanging in here with us at seven o'clock. Then the addition 
Great job by getting in Wes Mitchell from Gamecock Central after the new conversation of keeping Frank the Tank, Frank Martin, one of my favorites uh, here on the show. He'll be talking about why they kept him, how things are going with that. How about the Gamecocks, the baseball team? We'll talk about they have a big call task coming up this weekend. They are traveling to the Bayou against LSU. I've been there. I've played there. Uh, It is a very impressive facility. It is a historical college program and a lot on the line for the Gamecocks, who are still doing extremely well. Of course, uh, we'll talk about that and a few other things around the University of South Carolina. Shane Beamer getting things up and moving here. A lot of positives coming out of that camp. Spring ball in the air, of course, uh, for South Carolina. Now, of course, there's some other conversations we'll get into throughout the night. If not here, of course, at 730, we'll do it uh, at 830. But, again, uh, a lot to talk about here coming up. Then at 8 o'clock, uh, a good buddy of uh, Eugene, he, of course, uh, got Dan Orner coming here, former uh, Minnesota Viking, North Carolina Tar Heel. He is a big-time five-star All-American trainer for the kickers of the world. I would say that in, in South as he trains for the high school, the NCAA, and NFL uh, all across the board. First time having Dan in here. I've had a chance to talk to him briefly about a year ago. Looking forward to having him on our show and thanking him for all that he does, of course, uh, in every community that he puts his footprint on as well. 8.30, not sure if we'll get anybody at 8.30, but if we do, great. If not, we got a lot to cover. Like I mentioned, we'll talk about the college in Charleston. They did a big-time do on the Clemson Tigers over the uh, last couple of days. That could be not good news for a mining Lee, former Cougar, by the way. Getting beat by his alumni could be a, a very bad direction as they got beat 13-4 to at Clemson up in the upstate as, uh, of course, um, the Cougars. Boy, I tell you what, a very good team here out of the CAA, another big-time baseball conference. But, of course, uh, we'll talk about a little bit more of that, uh, possibly with David at, at 6.30. Of course, uh, tons to cover with him. The other thing that I want to talk about before we go to break here, and, again, the bus is trying to track down David at a local uh, food joint here in Charleston, so it's moving at a rapid pace. But how about Eugene, this lady? She may be the most popular person in social media, definitely the last 24 hours, but she will be that here throughout the rest of the day and, and in tomorrow, and that is Miss uh, Grace Calhoun. M. Grace Calhoun, she is the chair NCAA Division One Council Athletic Director, right? So she has a very powerful voice. And just uh, not long ago, she did mention, and quote, we are delighted to announce that as of June 1st, all sports will return to their normal recruiting calendars. We want to thank all the prospective student athletes, their families, coaches, and current student athletes for their patience as we determine the best way to move forward safely with recruiting in Division one. Now, Division one, of course, that's your Power Fives and a few other big names in and around the world of football, baseball, basketball, you name it, they do it. That's what she represents. And I just continue to wonder, you know, why we've done a great job. I feel like leading the way, and I want to thank our marketing department and all of us uh, on social media. There's about 12 of us that tweet out throughout the day. So um, that's the great thing about it. We got a lot of eyes and ears in a lot of places. But we're putting out all these camps ahead of the storm, and you see a lot of people are starting to follow our suit and, and either retweet us or put it on their own links, but it doesn't matter. Our goal is to get the information out to you so that you, the players, can put yourself in a position to be seen. Now, I know there's another camp coming up in Columbia, Eugene, uh, that we can maybe get into with Wes uh, a little later, 
Uh, also, I know in uh, a week and a half, maybe or so, maybe a week, maybe not this weekend, but the following in uh, Atlanta, the Rivals camp is going to be kicking off. I know a lot of our guys are going to be hanging out uh, in that direction. There's another one of those um, big camps that we just were part of this past uh, weekend. We're going to be doing it up there uh, with the Salem. Uh, you, of course, uh, can, can be a part of that if you're in that North Carolina corridor. Uh, then don't forget May 8th, you're going to see uh, the, the guys on the hip state. The Blitz going to be trying to do some big stuff there. Uh, and, of course, uh, they'll be right here in Somerville here locally. We will, of course, uh, be in and around to kind of watch how that unfolds. But, again, if you're an athlete you're looking for a camp, don't just go to every single little camp, right? Make sure that you're getting something out of it, right? I mean, it's no different than working out. It's no different than anything else you do. If you do not see a positive reaction to the action that you're putting into something, then, then I ask you the question why you're doing it. It's like seeing some of these drills that, that some of these athletes do, and I'm like, where in the world are you wasting your time with that drill? You know, Deion Sanders called out a lot of trainers going, why are you training them to do things with their hands and their feet that they don't do on the field that they're on? And I say the same thing with not only that, but the same thing when it comes to these camps, because here's the thing. Yes, great to stay in shape. Yes, great to get a workout. No, not a good job going and not performing the way that you know that you can perform. So you can get burned out, right? You can get hurt, okay? There's that part. And uh, you can also be selective in the places that you want to go. So keep that in mind. Uh, and, again, we're going to continue at SO Sports Central. That's our number one hotspot hub to promote a lot of what's happening in and around the low country and around the great state of South Carolina, North Carolina, Georgia. If it's within at least a few hours of us or states of us, if you will, we're going to do all we can to help promote it as best as we can. Uh, again, that's what we feel like we get the most out of this conversation, Eugene. And, again, I can't wait to hear from David because he's got high school and some college here locally and I'm sure around the state as well. Yeah, and it's also, too, you know, a bunch of the specialist guys, you know, they have their mega camp uh, showcase actually coming up uh, May 25th, I believe it is, uh, that weekend in Atlanta again. That's We're in Atlanta back in January, and here comes the, the big summer when, you know, you try to punch that ticket to get that invite to the uh, scholarship showcase up in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. We were there last year covering that, and that was a big event from uh, with specialists from around the country. Uh, in Gatlinburg, but Atlanta usually draws the biggest crowd for all the uh, the Coles kicking and the long snappers as well and the punters as well. Uh, last time I was there, was about 800 kids, uh, you know, competing for that. So uh, that'll be coming up in May as well. I know there's about three or four of the guys from the low country that's going to that one. There's a couple possibly looking at other locations because they can't swing that one for other sports and other things. But, you know, so, you know, this is the time of year, you know, where if you've done nothing since – you know, that, that last game you played since you turned in your helmet and, and pads, you're going to be hurting because right now there are, a lot of, there are a lot of guys that's been hungry and been out working, been out training, been out lifting, been out running, staying in shape, getting ready, you know, kind of perfecting that craft so they can put that best foot forward. And if you're a 2022, this is it, man. You didn't get camps last year. You didn't even get a spring practice. So this is it. This is your time to shine, time to put up. You know, kind of, I don't want to say put up or shut up, but that's kind of the way it is because the college coaches aren't going to go, you know, well, they look good as a sophomore because they're going to say, well, he's projecting down or or she's projecting down. So, anyway, 
uh, enough about that. We'll get off the soapbox. But uh, good luck to all the athletes going out. Certainly tag us if you're at a camp. Do well. We'd love to check in with you. We'd love to see how it went for you. No doubt about it. Got a break, guys. Coming back when we do. We are here in Charleston with a great one. The, of course, Gurus and Gurus on the Friday Night Lights and many more. That is David Shelton from the Post Interior, guys. Don't go anywhere. Southern Sports Central rolls on. No water. Everything gets hotter when the sun goes down, yeah. All day long just taking it easy. Laying in a hammock where it's nice and breezy. And sleeping all the night before. Cause when the sun goes down, we'll be And Eugene Benton taking your calls at 323-784-9681. Welcome back, everybody. Richie Alba here live on Southern Sports Central alongside Eugene Benton here on a beautiful, I mean, and a very comfortable Thursday afternoon. We're 15 days into April. That's uh, only 15 days left here and uh, a month as we prepare for some 
conversations, hopefully, here in just a few with David Schultz, and I'm sure he's trying to get to a spot where he can call in and check in and do what we do here uh, when he has the time, because this is that time where the sun goes down and he is rolling this time of year. If it's not a soccer field, a baseball field, uh, again, lacrosse is going on right now. Uh, Track and field is happening right now. David is uh, definitely getting uh, after it on any night here in the uh, great state of South Carolina and definitely here on this coastal side of uh, Charleston as uh, track and field is a very big sport down here. Baseball, as you would imagine, softball, uh, also a big one. Lacrosse, like I continue to not forget about those guys and girls. They continue to do things. Rugby, how about this? Yesterday, yesterday I ran into a a gentleman, his daughter, a freshman, uh, goes to Portugal, but plays on the rugby team out of Wando. Uh, and Eugene, uh, we'll talk a little bit about this. Once we see David pop up on the board, we'll go to David with the introduction. But, you know, uh, rugby is one of those sports that hasn't taken off here yet. But I know because of the industries we are bringing in, be it Boeing, be it Bosch, be it Mercedes, and, and a few other big names around that continue to filter their ways into the low country, so come those from the areas that they're in. Yeah, rugby's the thing. I know you were there about a month ago watching uh, James Island and Wando. Uh, this young lady, by the way, a freshman. But, uh, you know, just talking to her about why she chose to play rugby was, uh, it, it was, it was interesting, very interesting. As a matter of fact, she's going to join us next Thursday. So I've got to get you the time that I expect her to join us. But, uh, you know, that's a sport. That's a sports sport. Now, there's a lot of sports, but that's like uh, – I don't even understand. I don't even know. I think it's in a class in a league of its own. Uh, the way they do it, they do. But uh, again, we'll have her on the show on, on, on next Thursday. But the kind of caveat with that, it's fun to see what we're seeing. Even if these seasons aren't going the way that these athletes want them to go, I bet you a million dollars and one that if they can call some of those athletes from this time last year that graduated, they would have loved to have a losing season rather than no season. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. It's actually, you know, I went out to see one of the guys that uh, I had coached up in football was playing on the Wando kind of has two teams. There's like an A team and a B team. They seems kind of like their uh, elite team. And, you know, he's part of that team. I tell you, you know, it's football without pads. And, uh, you know, some of those pops, I just cringe just thinking, you know, somebody's going to get hurt. And then uh, you, you're right. I was looking down to the right, sitting on the uh, sideline with a group of young ladies uh, wearing the shorts and shirts. And I asked Petey, I said, are those girls playing? He said, yeah, man, we have a great ladies team over here at Wando doing some big things as well. That uh, He said, you know, they, they're super talented and they, they, they play rough. Now, the contact's a little bit different for them as in the men's league, but he said the uh, Wando girls don't shy against the contact and they kind of get after it. So, be really interested to see what she has to say. I didn't get to meet any of those players, um, but it was definitely uh, caught my eye to see them kind of, you know, there and, and understanding that, you know, that they play as well and, you know, they're on that high level uh, athletes and, and doing what they do. So um be really interesting to see what's going on with those guys. Kind of curious, too, to see, you know, who they play, how many teams play. I know there are some teams in the Rock Hill area as well as the low country down around the Buford Hilton Head area, uh, as well as the upstate. And, uh, you know, the Wando A team, as, as Petey was telling me, you know, they, they were traveling down to Orlando to compete. So uh, it'll be really interesting, man. I, I'm kind of uh, curious to see, you know, how that goes and, and that interview 
just because I don't know a lot about the sport. But uh, we'll have to re- uh, consult our boy Brandon Bisco Bing. Apparently, he played uh, you know, or, or is quite familiar with the sport, I should say. Uh, he told us he could school us in all the rules because I was quite confused on the scoring and, uh, you know, kind of the, the avenue or, or the way they play the game. No doubt. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to bring the legendary David Chilton in as he deserves. Ladies and gentlemen, when you get a legend like David Chilton, who writes the course of the Post and Courier and does a billion things for so many, you got to give him that introduction like the nature boy here. What's up, David? Where are you coming from tonight? Is it a ballpark or is it a, a local restaurant? It is in my car, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> but there, there, there will be food in the future. But, um, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, but, like, Rick Flair is my favorite all-time greatest uh, athlete of all time. So when you play that, I got a little chilled. I'm not a Gamecock <laughs> fan, so when they do it, it's not the same. But when like, when he styles and profiles with those robes and comes down that aisle, baby, um, I get fired up. Man, I tell you what, those were the great days. And, and, and it's like those, uh, you know, I remember that was wrestling in our day, David, of course, watching what Rick Lear did with the uh, WCW and, uh, you know, it's never the same now. Again, it's, it's like most of everything. NASCAR is not the same, and uh, unfortunately, yeah. I think a few other sports are going to lean into that direction. Yeah, but I don't watch. We have I don't watch wrestling or NASCAR anymore. So, what's that? I don't watch wrestling or NASCAR anymore. So, and a few other sports. I'll watch. Might be on I'll, the watch rest, I'll watch WrestleMania. I'll watch WrestleMania when they when Ric Flair headlines the show at eight seventy four. Yeah, I bet you will. That's awesome. Talk about headliners and stuff. How about Somerville, man? I know the last time we talked, and we'll dive right into some stuff because I don't want to uh, not miss any opportunity to talk about so much that's happening just here in the low country but across the state and, and baseball, softball, and we'll hit all the sports in the spring, which is going to be a big list. But starting off in baseball, Somerville comes in here. They win the IP Classic. That's a, a nationally definitely a state-known program or tournament contest down in Georgetown. They battled, man. I mean, battle-tested and not well-rested in the hit tournament. They found a way to beat that, that, that team, I believe, out of the state of Georgia to, to win that one. And, uh, you know, again, finding a way to win is Bo Sharpie's boys kind of uh, living up to the hype that we kind of had going into the season. Yeah, I mean, they're a good baseball team. They've, they've got pitching depth. They've, they, they can hit the baseball. They, they play uh, pretty good defense. Um you know, they're, that, that's a that's a good team they beat um, last Thursday night in the hit tournament. There's no question that, you know, when you get to that point in the tournament, your pitching's probably 
uh, not as strong. Um, Somerville's guy didn't pitch great. I'd be battled. He stayed in it, and 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 uh, and the other guy for for Trinity didn't didn't pitch great. But yeah, Somerville's for real. I mean, they're they're they they and Berkeley and uh, you know probably Bishop England are, are the three best teams in the area. Um, you know, Wando's pretty good, uh, but not not real consistent. And um, you know, Stratford's not real consistent. Bishop England is pretty solid. Oceanside's pretty solid. Uh, you know, but but yeah, I mean, when it when it's baseball in this area, it's it's pretty much uh, Somerville and Berkeley right now. Now, great segue by the way uh, with Berkeley. Now, Berkeley not well talked about uh, in the preseason. I thought you did a great job with your article there, where you know they found a way. I mean, again, I think they came into the spring break undefeated. Maybe with it nine and zero, the record. I know they lost to Pinewood, which by the way, that's no slouch. They just won their region, which uh, I think earlier this week. Uh, so that ends up being uh, being a pretty good team over there. They lost to it, I think, in the hit tournament. But uh, what has Landy Cox got going on? And is this kind of the matchup everybody's waiting to see between Berkeley and Somerville? Yeah, they very well could. I mean, the strength of the 5A is still in the Columbia area, the Midlands with the Blythewoods and the Lexingtons and people like that. Um, but I, I think Berkeley's, you know, this is his clearly his best offensive team that Landy's had. Landy has normally had teams that pitch really well, but struggle to score runs and they, it's always low scoring, but this team can hit. They got, they got a pretty good lineup uh, and they have the pretty good pitching. Um, depth will be the depth for everybody uh, on the mound is, is the difference in the playoffs. You know, you got to have more than two guys. I think Berkeley does. Um, they, they've got at least two and a half, uh, but they're, they're definitely a, a better offensive team, but those offensive numbers, tend to shrink a little bit when you get to the playoffs because, you know, you're obviously seeing some pretty good pretty good pitching. Um, but, uh, but I think they got a chance, you know, to make a run. I think it's as good as Somerville's. Yeah, they're a team that I know everybody's kind of keeping an eye on. And, and how about Ashley Ridge? I mean, I know they've kind of uh, hot and cold a little bit would probably be the best way as we kind of wrap up some 5A talk here in the low country. But, uh, I think BJ's back in and around a little bit more than normal, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't been to a game yet. I'm waiting to get over to one. But uh, what's going on with those guys over there at Ashley Ridge? And not a bad team. Not a bad team at all. They're, um, you know, they beat Berkeley last night. Um, so that was a pretty pretty nice win for them. It's a non-region win. They're playing a little three-game series. Uh, them and Somerville will hook up, I think, next week. Um, and that, you know, it looks like, Ashley Ridge is going to be the second-place team in that region. Um, it'll be them or West Ashley, I would think, uh, behind Somerville. The only two teams go. But I, I think Ashley Ridge has got a shot. I mean, they got a, they got a couple of pretty good players, uh, got a good pitching last night. And, again, it's going to come down to depth, you know, uh, how deep they can go on the mound uh, because you got to have more than one guy. You could have one great one. But if you're if you're number two and number three aren't, aren't pretty good, you're not going to win in the playoffs because it, it's a very tough, you know, with the with the playoffs being different, uh, with only two teams going, there are no cupcakes in that first round. You're talking about a playing a region champion or a region runner up for one of the other regions and, and like I said, they're you know, up in the Ori County area, uh a really good five A team and then you got those that crowd in Columbia, the the Dutch Fort, River Bluff, Lexington, Blythewood group, uh in five A. So it'll be it'll be very interesting if Ashley Ridge can get in the playoffs. Uh, you know how far they can they can go. Yeah, you mentioned Sockets, the alumni, of course, uh, where I where I spent some time on their diamond from eighth grade into my senior year. They've 
What's going on up there with those guys? I know they've had a coach uh, that's been there for quite some time. He's another North Carolina coach, but this time in the world of baseball coming in there, and he seems like he's really got a great little ball team hanging out over there. They, of course, I think won uh, already all but maybe one game. I think they've lost to St. James, which the Sharks are usually pretty good. They've put some guys in college at the big leagues and two. But what's going on with the team up there at the Grand Strand of soccer season, kind of chewing away and getting some attention? Yeah, they're 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 very uh, unheralded and unknown uh, commodity. They've kind of caught the caught that area by surprise. I think I think everybody thought they were going to be pretty good, uh, but but to win as consistently as they have, um, you know, I don't know a lot about them, um, but I know that they they scored some runs, and they've got a really top line front line pitcher. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they match up in the playoffs. Uh, because that's a team that you know when you when you go through the scouting of of the lower state, that's not a team that pops up at the top of the list. So and that could benefit them, you know. A little people kind of overlook them and don't know a lot about them. That that could be a that could be an advantage to them in the playoffs. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Of course, we're hanging out with David Shelton talking high school baseball right now. We'll talk a few other sports, but I want to make sure we cover a few and a team that's kind of. Antagonist and getting our attention is uh, we've got connections to Somerville, but he's coaching over on James Island. I tell you, the Trojans uh, are they kind of catching some teams by surprise, or you think it's just kind of uh, a team that's got a lot of uh, opportunities ahead of them? You know, moving down to 4A certainly helped their program, um, and I think they're they're in a pretty good baseball conference, and they're they're in position to win it. It looks like looks like they've clinched one of the top two spots, so you know they're going to be in the playoffs. But they, obviously, you want to win the region. Um, and they're in the driver's seat. I mean, somebody's going to have to come get them. They're sitting on top, and they've uh, they've got a great opportunity to clinch it here this week. Um, and, you know, Spivey's got a good little club. You know, uh, they, they hit a little bit. They pitch a little bit. they got a great catcher in Hogan Garner, um, who's also a really good hitter. Uh, but they, but to do, the move down uh, to 4A certainly helped them. You know, they were, they were a small 4A or a big 4A playing in the 5A uh, playing in that tough conference with Stratford and Wando and Berkeley. Uh, so this certainly helped them, and, and they're taking full advantage of it. They're, they're, they're a good, solid club, and Spivey's a good coach. Yeah, Spivey definitely, of course, uh, seems to have those Trojans rolling through that region as uh, we continue to see a lot of success. You mentioned earlier Bishop England, uh, a very good team as we go down now to 3A, but watch out because in that same region this year is Oceanside, who well, we've seen some things – uh, from that program. Is that kind of the, the, the foregone uh, conclusion that it will be Bishop England and Oceanside? And I guess uh, as of right now, maybe Bishop England may have the upper hand there? Yeah, Bishop England beat them twice, so they, they, would, uh, they would have to lose a couple of games. But I tell you, Hanahan's not going to be a pushover for either one of them. Uh, Hanahan's a, a solid team, not a great team, but they are very capable. Uh, Oceanside's going to have to to uh, to take that series from Hanahan in order to you know secure that number two spot, uh, Bishop England looks like they're they're kind of in control. They've got the the best pitching. Uh, they don't hit a a ton, but they do uh, make it make it hard for teams to score. And like I said, they they beat Oceanside twice uh, in the conference. So uh, Oceanside's going to have to to beat Hanahan in order to secure that spot. And and both those teams, uh, Oceanside and Bishop England could make a pretty good run in the playoffs. I mean, they're both pretty solid, good pitching, uh, and that, that kind of carries you in the playoffs anyway. Yeah, no doubt. Now, David, uh, before we head over to the softball field uh, where I've got 
uh, a leadoff uh, team already to talk about ones and twos. How about the 1A, 2A? Anybody there that could represent us here in the low country and make a good run or maybe win the state championship here in, in baseball? I would say not. Uh, I, I would say, you know, Oceanside moving up from 2A to 3A uh, has kind of, uh, you know, weakened 2A a little bit. You know, Oceanside played for the state title last year, but now they're up in 3A. Well, Phillip Simmons is a decent little team, and, uh, you know, in 2A, they, they may they may make a little noise in the playoffs. Uh, I'm not sure about their pitching depth, but they, they hit the ball pretty well. Um, I got to see them play over, over spring break, and they're, they're a pretty solid team, but um, – but uh, not sure about the rest of it. I, I don't see anybody in Class A. Class A, the, the strength is is up uh, around Lakeview and East Clarendon and, and teams like that. Right. Now, I do want to give uh, Steve some love here. Uh, and, again, Pinewood winning the region uh, very impressively uh, this year. Of course, uh, we know a few names on that roster as well. Uh, is that kind of the way we lean? Is it Pinewood down here in the low country everybody needs to keep their eye on? Or do we know anything about some of these other schools here around the area? Yeah, Pinewood, Pinewood's the best team in Skiza uh, down here. Um, St. John's Christian in Class A may may have an opportunity to make a run uh, in Class A, but but Pinewood Pinewood's uh, the best team down here. Again, in the Midlands, it's a little stronger uh, conference with uh, Lawrence Mannings and Hammonds and uh, Ben Lippin are all pretty good. Cardinal Newman's very good, but uh, you know Pinewood will have to deal with some of those teams in the in the state playoffs because. Uh, they're clearly the best team down here, but like I said, the, the region was not real strong. Uh, but beating Berkeley was a was a big feather in their cap during the uh, spring break tournament. Yeah, no doubt. Now let's stay on the diamond, but go to the ladies' side of things on softball, and we go right back to Somerville. Seems like in the spring they're doing some things up there in the Ville. Where Coach Tucker last night, senior night, I think they ended up winning either fifteen to three or fifteen to four against West Ashley. Uh, and a very loaded team. This may be one of the best teams overall. I mean, that depth that they have up there in Somerville with the lady, of course, uh, Green Wave, seems to be kind of the headlines. Uh, what's your thoughts on 5A softball around the state, or around here in the Low Country? Well, definitely the, the Somerville is one of the, one of the better teams. Uh, Berkeley beats, has beaten Somerville. Berkeley's probably the best team top to bottom uh, in, in 5A. Somerville's right behind them. Somerville can hit and score. Um, you know, they're, they're very solid. Um, after that, it's kind of, kind of a crapshoot. I, I think those two teams are, are head and shoulders above everybody else, not only in 5A, but just, just overall in the, in the entire low country. Is there anybody else? I, I, we can kind of go through the ones through four and the, and the ladies here, but is there anybody else? I, I, I can imagine that this could be a big matchup between uh, you know, rivals, one of the older rivals is, of course, Berkeley and Somerville in football. Of course, they don't forget about it in the spring either. But who, who's going to contend uh, one through 4A uh, in softball? Anybody else making any noise? Uh, it'd be hard to say. I think Oceanside's uh, having a really good year. Uh, Hanahan is a, is a traditional power, not not as strong as they have been in the past. Um, but, uh, but, but certainly uh, Oceanside's having a really good year and, and probably – is capable of making a run. They they really score some runs. They're a good offensive team uh, in the 4A ranks. There's just not um, not what I would uh, Colleton County maybe um, is is a pretty good team in 4A. Probably going to win that region. Um, but other than that, that's it's it's pretty much a Berkeley Somerville deal. Mm, yeah, and that's going to be a big one here for many reasons. I can't wait. Maybe we'll cover it here on Southern Sports Central. But David, uh, some other sports that are happening. Of course, we're excited to talk some tennis, some golf, and 
course, soccer's happening, lacrosse. I cannot forget lacrosse. That's got a sticky note on my computer because it's definitely got a lot of momentum uh, here lately or around the low country. But uh, any other big headlines in the spring sports that we uh, need to give some love to here tonight? Well, I mean, you know, the spring is traditional, uh, you know, the, 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 the strong teams in soccer, uh, you know, the Bishop Englands, the Wandos, Oceanside, uh, also in lacrosse, Bishop England, Wando, Oceanside, uh, Lucy Beckham, uh, first-year school. I just wrote a story on their two soccer programs. They're, they're having a great year. Um, you know, so all those teams will be uh, contending. You know, we got some track athletes, a couple of guys at Cane Bay, a sprinter and a hurdler that are among the best in the state there. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's a pretty strong soccer year. I mean, academic magnet in soccer, um, Bishop England in soccer, boys and girls on both schools are, are going to be contenders in the lower state. Um, so, so here in uh, about two weeks, it starts heating up with the playoffs and it's going to be, uh, we're going to have a lot of low country flavor in the playoffs. We're going to have a lot of teams, uh, making strong runs into the deep into the postseason. Hanging out, wrapping up here with, of course, the legend here. Gave him the Ric Flair introduction. It will be his going forward as he joins us here tonight on Southern Sports Central, of course, is the guru of all prep sports here in the low country and around the state is David Shelton. Now, David, track and field, uh, again, something about this area that, again, you, you, we mentioned spring, but we do that thing here in the low country, definitely here on the lower part of the state uh, in South Low. Do we have any big track stars? Uh, I know, again, uh, we go back to Somerville and Berkeley, and, of course, Woodland usually has a lot of good track stars. And, of course, up in the other side of Monk's Corner, they've got a pretty good track team as well. Yeah, yeah. I think the the uh, the Wando Wando's very good in track. They're very balanced. Uh, and like I mentioned, Cane Bay has a very uh, very good boys team. Their their hurdler uh, and their uh, sprinter, the hundred and two hundred guy, are both going to be state uh, contenders. The hurdler's going to really come close, if not set the state record. I mean, he is really good, and he, in fact, he has the best time in the country right now. Um, you know, no 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 track athlete in high school in America has a better hurdle, uh, 100-meter hurdle time than he's got. Um, so he's going to be a real state contender. Uh, Somerville has a pretty good team, uh, always good in the sprints and the jumps and the throws. Um, you know, and then, and then you know, there, there's some kids at Timberland that are pretty good. You know, the Berkeley County and Dorchester County meet their next week, so that'll be a lot of fun to kind of see how that shakes out because, you know, you got Somerville, Ashley Ridge, Woodland, and Dorchester County. Um, and then you, you have Fort Dorchester, and then over in Berkeley County, you got Cane Bay, Stratford, and, and Timberland, and Berkeley. Um, so that, that'll be fun to watch next week. No doubt here talking to David Shelton, of course, with the Posting Courier, and he covers it on many of those shows around the state of South Carolina. Let's talk a little college baseball before you get out of here. Man, Chad Holbrook went up to Clemson and served a very, a, 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 a very uh, impressive whipping against the uh, Clemson Tigers and Monty Lee's alumni, of course, left a bad taste in his mouth. I think it was what last uh, the other night, 13 to 4, something to that degree. I mean, uh, tell me about Chad Holbrook and the CAA and how well he seems to be doing with uh, a lot of big names doing big things. But on the other end, it's Monty Lee with hanging on to 500, not getting it done, losing weekend series. I mean, it's shaky at best right now, I think, in Tiger Town for the baseball program. Yeah, I, I think I think there is some um, some quiet pressure uh, starting to mount with Monty at, at Clemson. I mean, they are starting a lot of young guys, a lot of freshmen, but 
you know, uh, other than Caden Grice, really, uh, they're not getting a lot of production out of those guys. So, um, they, you know, they go to Miami this weekend. They still got a series with Louisville coming up. Uh, they won't be favored to take two out of three in either one of those series, and they've got to avoid sweeps. Um, you know, they're, they're not one of the top five or six teams in the ACC right now, and I don't think Clemson baseball fans uh, are accustomed to that. They don't like that. And certainly getting hammered by College of Charleston. It's a midweek game, I understand that, um, but but they got hammered. I mean, it was 13-6, to six and even though they hit the ball, they you know, they had uh, 12, 13 hits. Uh, their pitching was not good, and they don't have a lot of depth on the mound. So, yeah, I, I – you know, Clemson, they got to win some games. I mean, I'm not saying that Monty's going to get let go after the season, but they certainly, uh, they're going to have to reevaluate some things because uh, they weren't very good last year when the season, you know, got COVID out, uh, and and they're not they're not really good baseball team right now. But College Charleston, like you mentioned, you know, I think they started slow, um, giving up a lot of runs and not scoring a lot, but I think that's kind of flipped. Uh, they're going to be one of the teams in the CAA that's, that's going to be in the in the top half of that league. It's a pretty good baseball league, not a great league, but a pretty good league. And uh, and I think uh, Holbrook's got them kind of playing with a lot of confidence right now. Uh, they came off a big weekend with James Madison and then beating Clemson. Uh, they certainly go into the the stretch drive on a on a roll, um, and and certainly will be a team to contend. Now, talking about teams contending, uh, you also keep an eye on, of course, uh, Charleston Southern, not too far away from you and me, of course, on a regular afternoon. The Citadel, of course, doing some things. How about the Gamecocks? You know, uh, weren't sure what they were going to look like after getting uh, no hit against uh, Bandy, but here they come back, find a way to win uh, at least two out of three here and there, and now they're on the road this weekend against a very good LSU team. Uh, What's your thoughts about the rest of the teams around the state being even coastal uh, in this conversation? Yeah, I mean, as far as coastal, I mean, they're gonna they're gonna be in the top the top half of that league, and and I think South Carolina is gonna be in the top half of the SEC. Which, if they can finish in the top five or six, I think they're certainly gonna get a bid, um, if not get get to host a regional. Um, you know, Charleston Southern and the Citadel are kind of kind of up and down. They're, they they have good weekends, and then they, then they don't show up very well. Um, they're they're just two programs. You know, got new coaches there. I think they're just kind of building and, and you know, competing pretty well. I mean, even Charleston Southern is competing well. Uh, they're just not getting a lot of wins other than maybe once a weekend. Um, I, I think a bad had a bad weekend against PC and then beat Campbell the first game and then didn't play very well the next two. Um, but you know, I, I don't know if I don't know if either of those teams will make their conference tournament depending on how many they let in. I'm not really familiar with the SOCOM, but I, I think the the Big South they only let four. I don't see Charleston Southern being in the top four of that league. Yeah. It's going to be interesting watching that. But uh, before we get you out of here, I know you kind of gave a push for, I think, the Charleston Southern game this weekend. Isn't it their finale? They've got Gardner-Webb coming in here, which is going to be interesting for those here in the low country because there is a uh, Mr. Hancock, Daryl Hancock, who is the last 1,000 rusher for the, for the Somerville Green Wave just a few years ago. is actually a running back for Gardner-Webb, so we'll have some familiar faces on both sides, but uh, should be a good crowd, say, uh, say, this weekend. But what's your thoughts on having a little bit of spring football going on uh, around the low country and just around the state? Well, I, I thought it was kind of neat to begin with, but now I'm not a fan of it. I'm not, I'm not a fan <laughs> of spring football. I'm not a fan of uh, – I mean, I, I saw Charleston Southern and Robert Morris play 
Saturday, was not impressed, uh, no atmosphere. Again, they had a limited crowd. They will have a few more people in the stands uh, selling tickets uh, this week. But it, to me, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm just a traditional guy. The spring is for baseball and the fall is for football. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, again, I, I, I understand why teams are doing this, but you've seen a lot of teams drop out after – four or five games with injuries and, and things like that. Charleston Southern hasn't had that problem. Um, the Citadel has had some, some issues. They had some suspensions and whatnot. And I, I think from, from everybody I've talked to, especially at Charleston Southern, they're ready for a break. They're ready to mm-hmm. take a break. They've been going since July. Even though they didn't have a season in the fall, they were practicing and they had workouts and all that, and then they came back from the holidays and they had to get right ready for a four-game season. And once they lost those first two games, they got no shot of playing in the postseason. So I think it's just ready. They're ready. As Alter Denson said, we're ready for a mental break. Just get away from the game for, for a month or two because they start right back this summer. I mean, these, these guys are going to get right back into it. So I think uh, a lot of people feel like I do. It's, it's ready for it to be over and let's move on. Yeah, I think the idea of it sounded really cool, but after further review, and, and there is going to be a lot of that, uh, we'll stick to what works, and that is, of course, been playing in the fall. David, thank you so much. I uh, can't wait to catch up with you. If we could try to do this, and we'll have to go off your schedule. Thursday may work more, better for you because I know Monday you're talking a lot of baseball covering it because the boys and the girls are getting after it on the fields around the state. But uh, we'd like to catch up with you more with the, of course, playoffs coming up and get some more thoughts from you, buddy. Okay, just let me know. Keep in touch. You got it, buddy. Appreciate it, man. And keep uh, doing what you do, buddy. Appreciate you. Okay, man. Thanks. All right, guys. There you go. Of course, uh, David Chelton, the best in the business. He, of course, is, uh, again, a solid a solid five-star guest on any show that he comes on. Of course, he's always uh, willing and able if the time and, of course, the opportunity prevails. He jumps in. He does his thing, and he did it here tonight. Of course, representing the Post and Courier. He's a big-time contributor on, of course, Bobby Harden's show Monday through Friday here on Southern Sports Central and many other of our shows here on this network as well. The bus is making a beeline up there to York County at York High School with the Cougars running back, y'all. That is Mr. R.J. Glasgow. He'll be joining us next, guys. Don't go anywhere. It is top of the hour right here on Southern Sports Central. to Southern Sports Central, your source for all things sports, with your host, Richie Altman, Richie Altman. and Eugene Benton taking your call at 323-784-9681. Now, let's join Richie in the studio. If you smell what the rock is cooking.
Welcome back, everybody. It is hour number two here on Southern Sports Central. And without further ado, the bus is pulled up. We're virtually ready to meet with the running back, y'all, all the way from the upstate up there, of course, hanging out at York High School, the one and only Mr. R.J. Glasgow. Of course, uh, R.J., we're glad to have you, buddy. Can't wait to catch up with you, man. Appreciate your time on a Thursday night. Thank you for having me. So I want to make sure, man, it's a big deal to, of course, I know mom out there, man, the last name, did they get it right? It's Glasgow, but it, y'all got close enough. Glasgow, man, can't get close enough, man. We got to be right on it. So it's Glass. you say Glasgow, Glasgow. So I want to make sure, man, it's a big deal. I do Friday night football, man. I'm going to tell you something. You can get a lot of things right and wrong, but that last name is, is, is big deal to grandma and grandpa and, of course, uh, the mamas out there, daddies don't pay quite as much attention, man. But I do want to say, RJ, I appreciate you as uh, you're jumping here tonight. Of course, you're coming in at six foot, 195, big time running back with a 4.2, uh, 4.27 e, uh, GPA. Of course, the class of 22, this is going to be your year coming up here in, of course, uh, August. Uh, so give us a breakdown, man. Tell us a little bit about who is uh, Mr. RJ, how long have you been playing the game of football, how long have you been playing varsity football, and what you've been up to the last couple of weeks? Man, I started playing football when I was, like, nine, and I've just been playing ever since. I just fell in love with the game, you know, and I just fell in love with the grind. And um, I started playing varsity uh, actually last year. I played JV my ninth grade and tenth grade year. And the past uh, two weeks, I've just been trying to get better. I run track. I'm trying to get faster. So I can have a breakout season this uh this up and coming football season. No doubt. So he's a two sport player, big time athlete from York County over there. York, the Cougars uh represented again here tonight as they had the head coach with us Monday. We had a couple of your teammates on Monday and here we of course get the opportunity to talk to the man that runs the rock and he does it in style. Of course, uh a lot's happening now. Have uh, you've been handing out uh opportunities, uh taking them advantage, uh, going to camps and things like that here of late. Yes, sir. I actually went to the uh, National Prep Showcase this uh, past Sunday. Right. Now, see, of course, I'm aware of that, but I wanted you to kind of spell it out. I didn't want to spill the beans because when I got a chance to see what you did as Eugene, myself, and uh, another one of our newest members of the family were there watching you guys and, and having a show or two, kind of doing what we do, very impressed watching you run through those drills. And I thought those drills, and the things that you guys were put through really specialized, right, specialized in what college coaches needed to see. I mean, to be honest with you, RJ, this is uh, it's close to an, an NFL combine that you will see until you go to an NFL combine. Did you enjoy the, the repetition and the opportunities to do the things that you were able to do at this camp that seemed a little different than some of the others? Yes, sir. It just kind of put us like through act, like an actual combine experience, since we're not gonna be able to like actually be through that and uh, until we actually get to the NFL. So I just like the atmosphere we was in, you know, and it was just great coaches and great players there, and I met a uh, a lot of uh, a lot more new people. Now, CRJ, that is the key, my friend. I'm gonna tell you this, and I tell all you guys this, and again, you are now officially a part of this family, and our job is to continue to bring you on during the summer, and of course, can't wait to talk to you during the fall when you start running for that one or 2,000 yards, whatever the goal is. I'm going to speak it into existence and say you're going to get it this year coming up after all this extra work you're putting into it before the season starts, but when you look at the national press and you saw uh, what Coach Jeff did and, and bringing in you know rivals and 24-7 sports, and of course, we were there 
but it was the other guys that were there that I thought were your best recruits, uh, recruiters. Is other guys around you that have already committed or very close to committing or looking at very similar schools as you? Did you take the opportunity to exchange numbers and, and really uh, network for yourself a little bit while you were there? No, so I really didn't. I, I ain't really. I mean, I met a lot of new people, like I said, but I ain't really get the chance to like get on that level with them, you know. Right. right. And I'm going to give you a little bit of advice. So when you come to the next one, or you go to the next camp, and we're there, we'll make sure uh, that we help you any way we can. Because that's why we built this uh, with this platform about 12 or so years ago. It was to help the athletes, and we've already labeled 2021 20, as the year for the athletes. So when you go to these camps, I'm going to tell you, RJ, that is the best friends you can find because they're going to go and tell the recruiters who recruited them uh, what, of course, uh, you do and how you can advance uh, their program. Now, with that being said, uh, what colleges are you looking at, man? Because this time next year, we're going to be talking about where you signed at, where you're going to next, the next chapter. So have you kind of gotten a few schools in your in your eyesight yet? I really want to go to, like, somewhere close to home. Like, I want to go to either, like, Duke or South Carolina or UNCC or, um, you know, like somewhere around the area so I won't be too far away so I can always come visit. But them, like, really the top three schools that I've really been thinking about. I like that. So here we go. Uh, of course, you can follow this entire interview on social media at SO Sports Central where Eugene's over there pushing the button and hitting send, of course. So we're looking at Duke. I like that idea. And here's the thing. When I look at what you just mentioned, RJ, you gave me – probably one of the best things that I try to encourage young men and women on this show all the time is to kind of open up that opportunity and go after a few different things. Number one, you looked at Duke. That's a total different ball game than, of course, the University of South Carolina for multiple reasons, ACC, SEC, UNCC, like that opportunity. That keeps you close uh, in Charlotte, not too far away from home. Of course, uh, we're very big uh, friends and fans there. Matter of fact, one of the running backs, Keegan Williams, uh, from the low country, ran over at Oceanside, of course, a couple of years ago. Uh, and I got to tell you something, watching the way that you run the rock, the way that you kind of, you know, work your hands, work your work your body there, going through the drills, man, I, I got to tell you, any three of these schools lucky to have you. But when you land on one of these three campuses, what are you going to major in? I was uh, planning on majoring in sports medicine, you know, so that way, like, not saying I want this, like, God forbid this happens, but, like, if I was to ever, like, get a – a career in the injury, I could still have, like, something to do with the sport so I wouldn't be completely right. done with football, you know? Right. And that's a great way to put it, but I'm going to put a better twist on it for you. So when the good Lord tells you to wrap it up and hang up the cleats, because I will tell you, it's a sad thing. I'm 43. I remember the last time uh, I played uh, ball and I went off to college and played baseball, I remember that day. It's a sad day. It's a tough day. But I put myself, like you're saying, in a position to stay around sports with broadcasting, right? For you, it's the same thing, man. Sports medicine, it will. It will continue that. And then you're going to get an opportunity to mentor and help other athletes and others have helped you along your way. Now, that being said, have you uh, taken advantage of that class? Is that a class over at York High School that you can take sports management or sports, excuse me, medicine uh, while you're there at school during the year? Yeah, so I'm pretty sure it is. Um, I haven't really got a chance to get into it, you know. But, yeah, I think I, I think it's a class there. Yeah. So I what I focus on, like, so on do you my play main basketball courses. or is it just is – it, is it football and, and track or do you have a, another sport or two that you're playing during the season? Right now it's just football and track, but I've been thinking about playing basketball. I don't know yet, but I might. <laughs> 
Well, if you don't play basketball, I encourage you to get with your uh, your, your counselor this year. You're setting up your schedule for your senior year. If you haven't done it already, if you have, see if she'll let you adjust it. Take that class. Go ahead and get your hands into it, man. Go ahead and get that opportunity to be familiar with it so when then you go to college, you'll have some of that under you. And then if you don't, guess what? You can be one of the student trainers there on the side of the court watching your team win a state championship. Now, uh, I would also, on the other side, tell you, man, play as many sports as you can in high school because when it's over, it's over. And I would tell you to try out for baseball, badminton, water polo. If it's a sport at your school, man, indulge in it, take it in, and enjoy it because, again, like, hey, there's nothing like it. When you play college sports, it's a lot of fun. It's a job. It's a business. It really is. High school sports, man, it's nothing like Friday Night Lights, right? You love the smell of the grass and the lights cutting on, or when you're at the track and field, it's that whole getting ready with your teammates to do whatever, I guess, you're going to do. Which, uh, what do you, what do you uh, participate on the track and field side? Um, I mostly – I run the 100, the 200, and I throw the javelin. And I recently got put on the 4 by one team. All right, so let's do some numbers here, big man, because i got to be honest with you, a good friend of the uh, show's here, graduated from Chocolate, now he's over in Tennessee. He's a DB and he's a wide receiver, Kenny Solomon, but he also runs track, man. So you can do both in college, play football and run track, which I know not as many football players do it as people think they do, but Kenny does it, and, and he actually brags about getting that opportunity to, to actually network while he's doing the same thing. Uh, what are your speeds of the 100 and the 200? I think my fastest, like one hundred, um, is like a twelve twenty two. But like they uh they um hand timed them in our last meet. It was like a eleven six, and then my fastest in the two hundred, I think like a twenty five twenty six, and my farthest throw for the javelin is like a one sixteen. I love it, man. Here we go, learning a little bit here about the big man up there. Of course, Mister R J. Glasgow, as he hangs out with us, he's the running back, your high school's very own, the Cougar on the show with us here tonight. Now, you did a little running on Sunday, right? I mean, boy, I tell you what, it was a nice, beautiful day that the Lord gave us on Sunday because it rained like cats and dogs in Charlotte Saturday night. When I was up there, I thought to myself, boy, I don't know much about Nation Ford, but I hope they can hold some water. Uh, But we got up here on Sunday, the wind blew, but that wasn't a big deal. I thought it kept us cool. And then on the other side of it, the drills that you guys were doing, I thought were, were again, very well organized. You did the 40. It was, of course, uh, one, it, it, it was on point as it could be, of course, uh, when it comes down to getting the best that you can there. What was your best 40 uh, out of your two or three tries? I'm pretty sure it was a 4.85, but he said, like, on my last uh, try, uh, I started off good, but I kind of drifted to the side, and um, they would have probably saved off some seconds. Now, let me ask you this, though, because, again, everything was kind of uh, done at a professional level here. From my understanding, and we're going to get Jeff in here with us maybe next week, but once you guys pushed your hand back, when you put your hand back, does that automatically start the, uh, the clock for you? I'm pretty sure it did. Okay. Yeah, because I heard a lot of guys say they didn't recognize or they weren't familiar with it because, again, it's a very crucial, got to be on point. Uh, what was your biggest surprise? Or give me what did you learn the most out of this uh, five-star camp that we were all at on Sunday over there at the National Press? What did you? Uh, what was your biggest thing that you came out of that camp with? Learning how to do the star drill. I ain't, I have like before that I've never like been introduced to something like that. That was my first time ever doing it, and um, I, I feel like that actually helped me with my change of direction. 
I like that. And I tell you what, it's interesting because Eugene and I talked about that during the show uh, while we were up there. And, of course, we continue to talk about that in the last couple of days because there's a lot of you guys who haven't, you know, seen it or done it or, or gone through it that many times. And, again, you talk about your change of direction. Is this something now that you've maybe incorporated in the backyard and thought to myself, hmm, if I had this last year, I could have been a little better at certain things. Uh, what was one of the things that, I guess, when you look at it, that you thought that you came out of that you thought, man, you know what, I'm a little better at this than I thought I was? Um, the broad jump. I didn't think I was going to get as far as I did. I'm, I think I ended up getting like a, a 9-1 or a 9-2. Wow. So that could be towards your track and field coming out, and you're stretched out. And I think some of you guys that were uh, track guys, uh, right, I think you guys were a little bit more stretched out before you even got there, right, and, and maybe even a little bit better shape than some of the others. Maybe not then, but I do uh, remember talking to a lot of guys that, that ran track uh, as well as uh, participated Sunday. Uh, when you start to kind of put things into play, what is the plan for you, though? Because, again, it's now your team, right? Spring ball is almost here. Thank God alive above who's going to bring a spring ball. We didn't have it last year, right? So you guys remember when, when it gets to be hot coming in a couple of months, when you guys are doing spring ball in a couple of weeks, whatever, uh, remember this time last year there was no spring ball. So take it all in. What is the one thing that you hope to gain and, and accomplish during the season during the spring? Better team chemistry, just getting to know everybody better because we're like we're pulling up a lot of young guys and we just got to get them bought into the system of what we're trying to do, accomplish at York. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you this, RJ, that's a great segue, man, because uh, let's talk about the season. Let's talk about the chemistry. Yes, you guys actually, you know, you were forced to hold each other accountable in times that coaches can't see you, right? And, and as a junior, you had a voice, but not like a senior, not like you're going to at this point forward, because as of that first spring practice, it automatically becomes your team if it didn't as of January 1st as a senior leader on this team. Uh, what, what are some of the things that, that you felt like you guys benefited, even though it was a weird season, but you felt maybe that you got uh, something out of it that maybe you wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been some of that weirdness? Well, ask your question again. I had cut out. My fault. No, it's okay. So tell me something that you felt like you did get out of the, the weird season. I don't like to mention COVID a lot, but it was a COVID season for us here in the, the Palmetto State. What is something that you felt like because of, all the different weird rules that you guys had to go through, what was something that you felt like your team benefited from with everything that was going on? I feel like we um like we had to adjust a lot faster than we were used to because we're used to having like like a long a longer season and not having to do stuff as fast and I feel like we reacted like we had a good reaction to the short and quick season that we had and I feel like that was good. Yeah, and I tell you what, I, I like the reaction times and I like your answers, what you're telling us here tonight, because to be honest with you, you know, when you put everything into play, there's always going to be a lesson learned. It's always, even through the trials and tribulations, uh, you know, the good Lord above will always leave you some fruit on the path. And, you know, talking to your coach the other night, who, who we really enjoyed having a conversation, tell us a little bit about what's it like playing for a guy that's been around for a long time. He's seen a lot of change, but he's brought some things there. Uh, to your program, to be honest with you, that I have high expectations for you guys coming into your senior year. It's fun, man. I, I enjoy playing for Coach Dean. He's, in my opinion, he's one of the best coaches I ever played for. And it's like he care, he shows that he cares about the players, and he's really trying to buy us into what he's trying to do and show us that it's, it will work this year. 
Hanging out with the big time running back all the way, of course, uh, in York. That, of course, the Cougars on the board and on the bus here tonight with us. The running back, y'all, is R.J. Glasgow as he hangs out here talking a little bit about what is to be expected in the 2021 season. It is a class of 22. Now, the weight room, I'm looking at some uh, some film right now. You guys uh, got after it uh, as soon as they were allowing you guys to do it. Now, this time last year, the nutrition was different. The opportunities were different. Not the case this year. Looks like you guys are working out, focused, a lot of uh, uh, ownership happening in that weight room. It's going to show up late in the season coming up this year. Tell me about the weight program and uh, your strength and conditioning coach up there. Coach Hoover, he um, <clears throat> he really knows what he's doing. Like He has a lot of experience in this, and he's uh, trying to get us more explosive and more um, – and are like more ready for the season, so we won't have as many injuries as we did last year that really set us back a little bit. Now, let me ask you this question here because this is something that I enjoy listening to each athlete because you guys, uh, a lot of times you'll say the same thing, but it comes out a little different. And that is uh, when a team has a, a quote or, or a hashtag that they use, and you guys, it's the hashtag the York Way. So to you, uh, of course, uh, Mr. RJ, what does the York way mean to you? Just doing what you're told, doing everything you can to help your uh, teammates, picking your teammates up when they're down, holding yourself and your teammates accountable, and just um, executing the best way you can. Love it. These kids are amazing interviewers, and I tell you what, having a guy like this in here to uh, start off hour two is a joy and a treat. I know uh, the uh, family up there at York High School, uh, very excited and have to be proud of you, man. You continue to, to impress me on this interview, and I just uh, want to say thank you so much for your time here uh, tonight. Now, any future plans going into camps? Uh, I know you're running track right now, so you're trying to balance it all out. Uh, tell me about your plans the next few weeks, SAT, ACT, uh, any of that on the calendar yet? I actually took the AC, I mean the SAT Tuesday before my track meet. Um, How'd that go for you, man? Give me your thoughts uh, as far as taking that. What was it like? Me, personally, I don't feel like – I didn't even know it was Tuesday. I thought I had a little bit more time to prepare because the uh, thing I got, the uh, email that I got, it was – I think it said the next one that was coming up was May the 8th, so I thought I had a little bit more time to prepare. But it just hit me so fast, and I, and I, I had to adjust to it. I feel like I did pretty good, though. All right, cool. And that's one thing we haven't had a chance. And Eugene, of course, I want you to chime in because Eugene does a great job as well. Uh, as we've got about six more minutes with you, and then we'll we'll uh, turn you loose, man. But again, uh, I'll let Eugene come in. But I want to say uh, I really appreciate your time tonight. This is the first of many, young man. I'm going to be uh, expecting you checking in with us. If you go to camps, we want to hear from you when the season starts. We want to hear from you. And the best way you can do that, keep us in the loop by tagging us on social media. We appreciate your time. Eugene, what you got, buddy? Yeah, man, I just want to tell you, uh, go ahead and follow us if you haven't already on Southern Sports Central. We have, uh, you might have to dig down, but we've uh, been posting out a bunch of college camps, man. Every time that we get a confirmation uh, of some dates, you know, we put it out there for you guys because we want you to get that exposure. You know, you're 2022, man. This is uh, your last time to shine. you got one more camp season and one more football season. That's it, man. You hang up the cleats and turn in the pads and helmets there, uh, you know, your comprehensive, and, and your high school career is over, man. It's over in a flash. I know you said you've been playing – 
since ninth grade. But uh, just want to let you know, man, the, the camp information is out there. Um, you know, something, you know, I was just kind of curious if uh, you got any certain camps in mind. I know you mentioned a couple of schools. Are you planning on hitting those schools up for camp? Yes, sir. I plan on hitting them up. I got you. I got you. So we got those three. Uh, is any more kind of, you know, keep your eye maybe on the schedule? Because I get it. Some some of them are scheduled the same day. I got a bunch of kids that are trying to battle that out and decide which ones to go to. But, uh, you know, some other camps kind of piqued your interest. Maybe go up and compete and see how you do. I'm just um, – <clears throat> I plan on going to any camps, like you said, like balancing out my schedule with all the stuff that I do. I plan on going to any camps that I actually have the time for. I got you. Well, that, you know, anytime you go to a camp, if you want to tag us and let us know how you did, we certainly want to help promote you out there, man. You know, we got a bunch of college uh, recruiting coordinators and position coaches and head coaches that either come on the show, fall in the show, or listen in. Uh, you never know. There might be a couple of them listening in. I tell you, we left National Prep uh, Camp on Sunday, and uh, NRDMs was a coach, a big-time D1 coach, and said, you know, what would you think about this cat, and what would you see in this cat? So, you know, we want to give you guys the best platform. We want to give you the best, you know, uh, opportunity to get seen and kind of get that exposure. Now, um, you know, last year I saw you, know, you average about seven yards of carry. Uh, going into this season, that's a pretty good number, man. Uh, what are you looking forward to, you know, in the season, kind of your, your, your team goals? We get all that. Everybody wants to win a region. Everybody wants to win a state title. Uh, you know, so I, we're not going to disrespect your team goals, but give us some of your personal goals for the season. I just want to improve on everything that I did last year. I just want to get better every day and just work on any flaws that I have so that way I can be the best all around um, and best talent that I can be. All right, one. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot, man, because you're a running back. And we all know for you to succeed, there's about five to six dudes in front of you that have to do their job, man. Talk to us a little bit about that offensive line and some of those guys up front. And uh, let us know, man, do you feed them some pizza on Thursday night or, or something else to kind of beef them up and get them ready uh, to show them that love, you know, so they uh, do their job and uh, create those big holes for you? I try to talk them up as much as I can. I don't, we don't feed them. We haven't did that in a long time anyway, but – we just try to talk them up as much as we can. I feel like we're going to have a good O-line this year because most of them are over 6'3". So I feel I'm really looking forward to this season. Now, uh, what, what, what's your touchdown celebration, man? Do you come back and love on those dudes on the sideline? Do you kind of come over and, and kind of congratulate them? Thank you for opening up. Because, you know, I've watched some of your plays, um, you know, and some of your teammates there. And I tell you, especially on the right side, I, I haven't to look at, you know, who you got on that right side blocking for you, but I've seen quite a big holes on that side. Yes, sir. I tend to, every time I um, have a good player get a touchdown, I, I tend to always go to the, make sure I always go to the sideline and um, thank them, because if it weren't for them, I wouldn't even be able to get to the second level. Yeah, no doubt, man. And, uh, you know, so I, I wasn't quite sure on, on your film, man. Do you play other positions besides the running back? I um I was actually planning. I played like on um, th- third down situations or fourth down situations. I'm like the Wildcat quarterback, and I plan on playing wide receiver a little bit this year. And I wanted to play linebacker and in, in, pretty much any position I'm needed. I got you. That's building that recruiting profile for you, man. Uh, a lot of coaches like to look at guys, especially your size, 
you know, you got that, you got the height, man. You got the size on you. You got some speed, so I'm sure, you know, any, it just it makes you more marketable if you can fit in and play multiple positions. But um, you know, I tell you what, it's been great knowing you guys and getting to meet you guys. So uh, real quick though, uh, give us give us your numbers, man. What you what you pushing in the weight room? You know, we always like that weight room. You got you know picking things up and putting them down. So give us that uh that bench, that squat, that power clean. I'm pretty sure the last the last time I benched it was 255 squat 370. I know I can get more than that. Um, and I think power clean, it was 225. All right. And so what did you say for the squat? 370. All right. So power. So I'm typing this out there. So if there's any recruiters looking, man, I got your bench at 255, power clean at what? 225. 225. And squat was 370. 370. All right, man. Uh, are you, now, I, I know you said you fell in love with the grind, man. So uh, is that grind including the weight room? Or are you one of those uh, loud vocal guys that kind of shows up in the weight room, kind of yelling those weights out, man, and kind of, you know, be, you know, hyping? Are you the hype man in the weight room? No, sir. I'm really not. I'm, I mostly study my stuff in the weight room and get my work done and just, I mean, if I have to get loud, I will. Like and, and hype everyone up if they're um, feeling down. Like if it's like a down day, but I'm mostly one of the quiet ones, and I just get my work done. I tell you what, he puts his head down and goes to work. But I tell you what, man, it's been a great, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. We're definitely looking forward to following your career, man, and uh, hopefully one day, uh, you know, whether it be in the fall or a little bit after, we hope to be a big part of your uh, commitment day, your signing day. So uh, stay in touch with us, man. Like I said, if you go to any camps. Tag us out, man, so we can help get you promoted as well. Uh, you know, thank you, Coach, for having us on. Thank you, parents, and, and or, you know, and all those folks that support you because without I, at the end of the day, that's your biggest support group always, man. And, you know, we love Coach uh, Doyle. We had him on as well. I'm sure you know that. Uh, it's been a great, great pleasure getting to know, you know, the York uh, family there and becoming a part of it. We definitely look forward to tracking you guys and certainly appreciate your time tonight. Thank you for having me. Buddy, again, we want to thank you again for coming in here tonight. We wish you the best of luck. We will continue. All right, folks, uh, we are going to head to a quick break at the top of at the uh, 30 minutes. Uh, we got Wes Mitchell, who's going to be on. He was actually already in the uh, green room here calling in to talk some Gamecock uh, spring football. So we're going to check in with Wes in just a second, right out of break, guys. Hold on one second.
the pretty girls around me and they're waking up the rock. Keep up. Why you mad? Fix your face. Ain't my fault they all be jacking. Keep up. Players only. Come on. Put your Central with Richie Altman and Eugene Benton taking your calls at Central midway through as we are an hour and a half in, an hour and a half to go, and why not bring in the big guns? And that is the man with the plan from the capital city of South Carolina, Columbia to be exact, GamecockCentral.com's very own Wes Mitchell. What's up, Wes? Hey, what's up, my friends? How y'all doing? We're doing great, man. Did a little uh, opportunity taken on Sunday with a couple of our closest buddies around the state, about 230 Kids were invited to that National Preps event uh, over the weekend, man. But it's good to see these camps up and running and the athletes uh, running around the field as well, buddy. How about yourself? Yeah, man, I uh, I was not able to make it out there for that one because I had prior engagements. But uh, I heard it was a good group. Um, actually, uh, talked to my, my guy, Carson Black. I heard he had a good day up there from uh, from up near my, my old stomping grounds in York County, quarterback out there. And, uh, yeah, sounds like it was a good group. Man, it was. And, and, and the thing that I really enjoyed, Wes, and you and I, and of course Eugene's been able to be a part of them as well, is seeing different camps, doing different things. But this camp, it, it was a lot different than any of the others, man. It was like an NFL-style combine where the guys were, were locked and loaded and, and got a lot of reps. But it wasn't about the, the, the quantity. It was about the quality of what they got, man. And it, to me, was a very well run by all of those involved. Of course, uh, Jeff over there that uh, put it all together – but uh, just to see that many amazing big-time athletes all on one field at Nations Ford, I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah, and you know, I'm, I'm just I'm glad to see the guys starting to get some opportunities again. Obviously, I know you know there there have been camps, um, obviously, but uh, you know I, I think most of the schools you can see are starting to to plan to have their their camps this summer as well. Looks like uh, recruiting visits are going to be back on this summer too. Um, you know, I, I think uh, we can sort of see see the light at the end of this tunnel as far as the, the guys. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to end up being, uh, I think, 15 months maybe of dead period that, uh, you know, these kids have not been able to take visits, not been able to go to the official school camps. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just glad that 
that we're starting to, to get back close to normal. Yeah, no doubt. We're here normally excited to Dr. Wes Mitchell. He, of course, covered Gamecock football and recruiting for the Gamecocks over at GamecockCentral.com. Uh, we'll give him a chance to give uh, more information on that and how you guys can become a member and a part of their family as well. Now, let's talk about these athletes around the state of South Carolina. I know you guys have your eyes on the lot, but coming out of this uh, or coming into this senior class of 22, uh, anybody that we need to be writing down to keep an eye on and uh, what's been going on in the recruiting world for uh, our new head coach over there? Yeah, you know, obviously South Carolina comes in and, and they're trying to um, to make a mark in this state and, and outside of the state as well. But but I know obviously when you come in as a new staff, you, you got to recruit your home state, and South Carolina is trying to do that. Uh, you know, you, you try to put a wall around uh, first your you know your city, your town, and then you try to put a, a wall around your state. So there, I, I think uh, if we're going to talk about state of South Carolina targets for, for South Carolina. Um, I, I wouldn't go much further than, than Dutch Fork, uh, you know, right down the road here, Irmo, South Carolina, Antonio Williams, the big-time wide receiver there. Um, you know, this is a kid that, um, you know, was banged up a little bit as a sophomore and uh, just didn't really quite come onto the scene yet, but but had a huge junior year. Uh, the, the word has gotten out, uh, you know, and, and then some. I, I think, uh, you know, we, we've got him as a four-star on Rivals. I you know, I think, shoot, ESPN may have him as the number 10 receiver in the country, I think I saw. So uh, the, the word is out on, on Williams. Uh, South Carolina has him. You know, it's the guy that Justin Stepp talks to pretty much every single day, you know, trying to, to let him know how much he wanted at South Carolina. So, you know, that, that's probably where I would start with, with the in-state guys. Of course, you you know, you, you got a big-time linebacker and, and Jalen Sneed uh, towards the coast that, that has a, a huge target for, for South Carolina as well. Um, you know, several other guys in this state that are, are national-level prospects. But, you know, those are a couple that pop into my mind. Yeah, we are loaded. This class of 22, have we not waited for this class to finally become seniors? And they are almost there. Uh, it seems like this class of 22, and even some of 23 as well, very similar to that hot pot luck, as you saw with that Jadavian Clowney, the Gilmores, and just that entire group. Uh, they came in for those two or three years, but uh, it looks like we're heading back into that uh, very heavy, uh, populated, talented program uh, in multiple areas around the state. Yeah, well, I, you know, I say you, you look no farther than the amount of big-time out-of-state programs that have tried to come into South Carolina with this class. Um, you know, like I said, you, you look at Snead, he's got a, a massive offer list. I think 30, 40-plus schools are after him. Um, you know, you look at Jaden Lucas, who's one of the top cornerbacks in the country, uh, you know, up at Malden and, and a kid that's got just, you know, I, I think Ohio State's after him, hot and heavy, North Carolina's after him, Clemson, obviously, South Carolina. But, um, you know, I, I I tend to look at the offer list, and when, when you have the caliber of, of school that is coming after these kids, and, you know, and, and obviously that have been coming after them, you know, for, for some time, like mm-hmm. even with the – even with uh, the pandemic and limited, uh, you know, recruiting availability and, and no in-person trips, uh, you know, the, the word has still gotten out on these kids, which I, I think says a lot about, about their ability. Um, you know, they're still being recruited so hard, even with all the, the ramifications of, of everything else. Yeah, no doubt. As we're hanging out right now with Wes Mitchell, covers Gamecocks over there uh, with uh, Gamecocks Central. You can check him out. On Twitter at West Mitchell GC does a great job and actually uh, puts together a pretty five star show himself. Now there 
is another young man who's a class of 23. I believe it's Monroe Freely, who is an Oceanside kid. Now, I kind of label that offensive line, they might be giants, right? I mean, if you think about the old the old music group in our days of growing up, uh, kind of comes to mind West. But, man, that kid is another big kid hanging out down here in the low country with multiple offers from across the country, right? Very similar, like you mentioned, the young man, Mr. Sneed. Uh, offensive line never – uh, you can never have enough of them, and, and it feels like the low country has been pretty good to the Gamecocks when it comes down to putting some guys like a Zach Bailey and a few others uh, up there in Columbia. Yeah, huge, huge target for South Carolina. And, you know, if you start getting into these underclassmen, you know, you, you look at him, uh, you know, there, there's a kid in, in Dillon, class 2024 offensive lineman, Josiah Thompson, that is a, a, a big-time prospect as well that's um, – already got a South Carolina offer. So, you know, I think when you look at the athleticism of these kids and the uh, the, si- the size-athleticism combination at their current um, age, I mean, it's just – it's crazy. It's off the charts. And, you know, I, I think you look and um, those are the type guys that, that you would say are, are no-brainers. I mean, you, you, look at, uh, you look at Monroe, you look at Josiah, and they, they look how you're supposed to look if that makes sense, where, you know, they, they maybe don't even have to take a rep. They walk in the room, and you're like, all right, that guy's got something to him. Yeah, and, and no doubt about it here, of course, uh, we start to uh, look at there. There's another guy, uh, a, a guy, Mr. Jacob down there. Uh, Eugene, I want you to chime in a little bit as well, if you don't mind, because uh, there's a couple of guys over there that I mentioned they might be giants over there at Oceanside. It may be, by the way, one of the biggest offensive lines I've seen in high school football in a while. I think there's two – uh, schools that are doing it big, and Oceanside is one. But Jacob, of course, Ashley is one of those guys. Have you guys uh, had a chance to look at that young man who is an up-and-coming senior? I, I, have, I have not looked at him, but I, I know um, Eugene is probably the, the guy to chime in on him. We, we actually were talking about him a little bit earlier this week as being a, a kid to, that, that maybe some schools are, are going to start to take a stronger look at. And, I, you know, guys, I, I think, you know, going back to what we were just talking about, you know, the, these other kids are the ones that once, you know, once an Ohio State comes in and offers you, once a Notre Dame comes in and offers you, um, the, the other schools are going to take notice and, and take a look at you. But considering that coaches could not go out and evaluate in person, you know, how, how many mm-hmm. kids are there in this state, you know, maybe like, like Jacob or, or like countless other kids that have, mm-hmm. have not really had the opportunities to just sort of, quote, blow up, you know, with, with attention. So I would look I, – I think it's going to be a big summer for a lot of these kids because the, uh, the colleges themselves will be able to host prospects again. They'll be able to have them for their little one-day camps and, and that stuff. And, and once that buzz starts, uh, you know, a new offer goes out from a major program, that's when all the other schools start taking, you know, notice as well. So uh, coaches don't like to admit it, but it is a copycat business. So uh, really all, all it takes is one or two and that ball starts rolling. And I, I think a lot of our kids in this state are, are going to really sort of have an opportunity to, to start getting a lot more attention this summer once these camps uh, on the school campuses crank up again. Yeah, and it's good to see the Gamecocks having some things. I know June 17th, a date that we all have circled uh, as well. That being said, talk a little bit about the camps that are coming up possibly, but also let, let's talk 
and let you have a moment to talk about Shane Beamer. We are huge fans. I was ecstatic to see that they hired him to bring in what they needed, and I felt like he was a huge part of the success of Spurrier days there. So he's home. He's back to where I believe he belongs. Uh, tell us about the camps coming up and how spring ball has kind of been going since uh, the guys are back out and about. Yeah, you know, I think the camps will obviously be huge for, for South Carolina and, and really every school because it's an opportunity to evaluate in person, uh, to see how kids respond to coaching, to see how they respond to, you know, may, maybe facing off with a kid who's just as big, you know, just as big as you or just as fast as you. Um, I, I think those are all really good opportunities, both, uh, you know, from the kids' perspective, coaching staffs as far as the evaluation process goes. But, uh, yeah, spring, spring practice has been good, I, I think, the, the big focus so far, they're, I think this is ninth, the ninth practice of the spring so far. So they're they're starting to get into that final third, uh, you know, of the spring. And the, the big thing I think has been is a lot of installation, offense, defense, special team, all, you know, all new schemes. So so there's a lot a lot of install, throwing throwing a lot at the kids and seeing what sticks. And um, you know, I, I think big picture though, it's just been about trying to develop the the right culture. That, that's been a big thing. Beamer is a big believer that, um, you know, you, it, your program starts with the, the foundation, the culture that you sort of build into the fabric of it. And I, I think that, that's been the focus. You know, obviously they got to keep recruiting. they got to add some more difference makers. they got to recruit really well and, and sort of, you know, I would say flip a few positions on, on this team as far as the roster goes. But um, the, the big you, – you know, anybody can – the old saying, you know, anybody can – can show up on time anybody can can work hard anybody you know those are decisions that you have to sort of build into uh the the fabric of your program and i think that's what their goal has been not just with the spring practices but obviously with the winter workouts and and all that stuff i I think luke day uh, you know their strength and conditioning coach has been an outstanding hire um uh, sort of an, an under the radar guy coming in but but i believe is exactly what they needed as far as that role goes yeah, no doubt. We're hanging out, wrapping it up here with Wes Mitchell. He covers Gamecocks football and recruiting for GamecockCentral.com. Of course, you can find him on the World Wide Web. We'll get him a chance here in a minute to talk about it. Uh, there's three guys that I'm very – four guys that I'm very interested in. One of them, Luke Doty, seems to really uh, be doing well out there. The carry-on joiner, uh, former Patriot down here at Fort Dorchester, former quarterback. Looks like he'll be playing some other roles as well, but seems very open to it. I love – uh, the mindset of this young athlete, this young man, he seems to be a very selfless guy, and it's coming out uh, as you see it all over social media. And then, can you talk to us about that running back situation in the backfield, along with that big six-foot forever wide receiver that transferred in? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I think Lucas had a really good spring so far. Um, you know, he, I would say he sort of separated himself. He is the top guy, and, and it's a situation where it's up to those other guys to, to close the gap and you know and try to catch him. Obviously. You got a freshman coming in and Colton Gothier. You got a transfer coming in and Jason Brown. So, you know, you you would expect for for Luke to be ahead at this point, but he's done a good job of taking that you know that little experience he got at the end of last year, and and kind of parlaying it into where he is right now. Great leader is improving as a passer. Great athlete, obviously, is learning the scheme. And you know, I think the the big thing is that his teammates look up to him. They already sort of. Uh, treat him as the leader of this bunch, which I, I think is clearly, a, a, you know, a, a sign of respect and, and a good sign in, in your quarterback. Um, let's see, we'll go down the list. Uh, you mentioned E.J. Jenkins. That's the big 
Yeah, I would call him a tight end right now, but they're moving him around quite a bit. Uh, he's about six seven, six eight, and um, you know I, I think is a versatile kid that you like. I said you can move him and, and do a lot of different things with him. I don't think you want to just lock him in to to playing tight end and say go you know go line up on the line of scrimmage. I think you move him around and and try to put him in some one on one situations where he can go use his height. Um, run, running back room probably. Uh, you know, you would say probably one of the better spots on the entire team as far as depth and talent goes. Kevin Harris is back. Um, you know, he's had a solid spring. Marshawn Lloyd's still still working through. He, you know, he's running on, on flat ground. He, he's like, they're not doing any of the drill work where he could get hit, but he actually is, is out there and, and able to run around and, and moving ever closer, uh, you know, to getting back as far as a full 100% uh, football goes. So, uh, you know, I, I think that that room – you look at the running back room, that that's one spot you just you don't worry about at all if you're a South Carolina fan. You know, you, you got Harris, you got Lloyd, but Zaquandre White has had an excellent spring. Uh, Rashad Amos, who's a you know, was a freshman last year that played a little bit. He he's showed some good things. You got a, a kid by the name of Juju McDowell coming in from Georgia. I think he'll I think he'll have an opportunity to maybe uh, get into the kickoff return mix, but you know, that's a guy if, if they had some string of injuries, that kid could probably help you, so you know, I, I think they're in pretty good shape, uh, you know, at that position. Now, the final thing before I ask you a couple of coaching things, and I know we're on limited time with you, so I appreciate the last-minute opportunity to get you in here. Uh, secondary defense, can you can you give us any enlightenment for the Gamecock Nation over there in the defensive side of life? Uh, what do we expect? Anybody there that seems to uh, really be shining here early? Yeah, you know, I think um, realistically that's probably the, the thinnest position on the team. I think that's the position that um, is going to most need some guys to continue to come on, continue to step up. It's a lot of it's a lot of inexperience there. Now, you know, that doesn't mean they don't have talent. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what those guys can do as far as their progression this off season. But um, not a lot of guys who have played high level SEC football at that position. So I think there's going to be. You know, the honest is going to be on some of these young guys to come on fast. I, I think, uh, you know, you look at Cam Smith, he's he's really probably been the guy that stepped up the most in that group, which is needed. Obviously, he played quite a bit la- uh, late last year, so that that's big for him to get that experience. Um, R.J. Roderick is a guy who's really bought in to, to everything that the new staff is, is uh, preaching. And, and clearly, as a senior with a, you know, with an inexperienced bunch, he's going to have to play really, really well for South Carolina. So, I think, um, you know, that's a position that's kind of one of those things where it'll be a question mark until it's not. Uh, you know, those guys, I'm sure, will hear, you know, they'll hear that, and, uh, you know, they'll have to go, I think, play with the chip on their shoulder next year to try to prove people wrong. Wrapping it up here with Wes Mitchell, Gamecock, Central.com's very own. Always a pleasure getting him in with us on Southern Sports Central. Coaching on the final conversation with you, Wes, uh, we'll go ahead with a with a triple here and talk about John Staley. What a great season. Not what – the Lady G's wanted, but, man, very impressive. I mean, definitely she's head and shoulders over most, if not all, programs around the country in basketball. Frank Martin, they keep him around. I like Frank the Tank. That's good news for guys like me and you because I think he's really good personally, and I'm excited that he's sticking around. And uh, talk about those two. And then Coach Kingston, man, has got the Gamecocks winning at least uh, the weekend by taking at least two out of three or now on a roll uh, trying to get three out of three as they head over to LSU. Yeah, they're uh, they just started, I believe, about 20 minutes ago. Uh, big big game for them, or big series for them this weekend at LSU. Uh, LSU struggled struggling a little bit this year, but it's still LSU. So 
obviously a, a huge series for them. Uh, Frank Martin, uh, he actually spoke to the media this morning. So if there's some big Gamecock men's basketball fans listening, I would encourage them to, to go to YouTube.com slash Gamecocks online. You can actually watch that entire press conference. Um, I won't even try to – I think it was 72 minutes, 78 minutes. I won't even try to, to break that one down. I'll just let everybody go watch it themselves. And uh, and then Dawn Staley, yeah, I, I mean, is, is there anyone better at what she does than, than Dawn Staley? I, I think she has, has built um, clearly one of the premier programs in the country. And uh, I, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. They actually – they have a recruiting class of, of girls coming in that is uh, is right up there as impressive as, as any of the ones they already have on campus. So I uh, – it, it obviously didn't didn't end the way they wanted. It very easily – you know, it's a, it's a game of inches. It very easily could have gone their way. But I I suspect there will be many Final Fours to come for, for Dawn Staley and company. No doubt, and it was definitely a game of inches for the ladies, of course. Uh, wow, that's uh, it was a tough one, but very proud of uh, their effort and, uh, again, representing the state of South Carolina. Any other news before we get you out of here uh, on the campus with uh, the athletics and also uh, give our listeners a chance of how do they connect and how do they go up there to subscribe and be a part of that uh, phenomenal five-star program that you guys do over there at Gamecock Central? Uh, no, I think that's it as far as news. And, um, yeah, they can just go to GamecockCentral.com. Uh, come find me on Twitter at West Mitchell GC, or uh, they can find uh, Gamecock Central on Twitter as well at Gamecock Central. All right, West man, as always, thanks for getting in at the last minute. We'll do it again here soon, and again, I believe we're going to see you here uh, in a month or so. I believe I've got the date set June 17th. If I don't see you before, uh, enjoy uh, the next couple of months, my friend. All right, sounds good. Sounds good, guys. Y'all have a good one, okay? Always a pleasure, ladies and gentlemen, one of the best in the business. I don't care what anybody says. When it comes down to the Gamecocks and anything and everything on and off the field, the court, you name it, they're doing it in Columbia. That's the group you want to follow. That's the group you want to go after. And, again, uh, Wes Mitchell is uh, always a five-star dude anytime we need him to come on here and uh, talk about what's happening uh, at yours and mine, of course, when I'm over there at uh, the University of South Carolina. Uh, Eugene, again, uh, hearts. Very heavy heart so with Don Staley. I know they've uh, probably still feel a little bit of that, but proud of them by all means. Uh, and same goes for the other school in the upstate, the Clemson Tigers, when they go far. As the men, I thought, did a great job representing the state uh, in, in the NCAA dance. And, again, I know they wanted to go deeper than they did, but they got there, right? They got there during a weird season and represented, I thought, in, in fashion here. So good to see our teams around the state of South Carolina doing things. We had David Shelton on earlier, talked about what Coastal's probably going to do in baseball. The Citadel, of course, usually pretty good in baseball, but, you know, there's some things going on. And, again, baseball's a, a different type of sport. We'll see how it works out uh, across the, the entire spectrum. But uh, a lot of fun things happening around. And, again, I want to thank all those at GamecockCentral.com uh, for what they do. And, again, make sure you guys go over there and uh, catch up with them. But, uh, Eugene, great interview, great opportunity uh, to catch in with him and, uh, and and have that conversation. Always a pleasure, man. I, I, you know, Wes is a great friend of ours. We've known Wes for gosh knows how long. And uh, definitely interested and, and glad to get up there with him. You know, we run into him at camps. We run into him sometimes at signing ceremonies and things like that. And uh, always, you know, I've been, a gosh, a member of Gamecock Central, uh, I think going back to about 2004, 2005. So I'm one of the OGs over there with Wes and those guys. But uh, definitely good. Cause 
you know, he's a guy that has the ins and outs, man. He knows what's going on. He knows, uh, you know, yeah. the program. He's been through three coaches and uh, is always a mainstay in the program, mainstay there in Columbia. Glad to have him on here, share him with us. Yeah, no doubt. And we're looking forward here once uh, we wanted to get more into it because I know they did some top golf, by the way, it will be uh, as far as Coach Beamer's uh, opportunity to, to grow the, the relationship there in, in Columbia. And again, you know, uh, I, I've got a lot of close friends to me and they're always like, well, Rich, what about the other schools? Yeah, we'll talk about the other schools. You know, we are working on getting some uh, a beat writer coming in here from Clemson hopefully next week. But again, you know, what Dabo has done in Columbia, excuse me, Clemson has been really honestly, not only for anybody in our state of South Carolina, but just overall of what you see, right? He, he's basically laid out the blueprint when their coaches, their coordinators, and I know one just left and went to a school down in Florida to coach, but when you have coaches with opportunities and they don't even sniff it or even look at it, they just say, look, I'm good, I got it, I'm going to hang out here, you're doing something right. I mean, because these guys have a chance to go into a Power 5 school or a larger school of, of, of magnitude and, and do what they would, thought they would want to do and be a head coach, but they're very content with where they're at. The offensive coordinator there uh, at Clemson has uh, shown that already. And, of course, uh, you already know what Brent Venables has turned down as well. Now, it doesn't hurt Dabo, but recruiter in the country in a lot of ways, as he recruits the father, the, the sons of these uh, head coaches or these assistant coaches as well, because that's one way that you can keep a coach around is keep a kid on your campus, give them a jersey. Now, I'm not saying they don't earn it, but definitely helps to have them around. As I know, uh, the Venerables uh, very excited to stick around in, in, uh, in Clemson, South Carolina, because they, again, when you talk about four teams making it into their uh, national championship run, if you will, it is going to be Alabama, Clemson, and the Ohio State Buckeyes. The question is, who's the four team? Out of the SEC, the Big Ten, uh, maybe the ACC slides in or the, of course, um, uh, the other one over there, of course, uh, as you get out of there, the Big 12. Now, sometimes the pack finds a way uh, to get in there as well, but usually those three teams are kind of locks, and then it's that other team that has to find a way in there for that conversation. We got a quick break. We come back. Dan Orner, I believe he's in Charlotte, North Carolina, so the bus doesn't have too far to go. Actually, Eugene and myself were on that interstate that went all the way to Rock Hill. I went a little bit further and stayed in Charlotte the day before, but a great place is Charlotte, North Carolina, and they uh, I guess you get to say uh, call their own Dan Orner. Is he a former UNC Tar uh, Tar Heel, Minnesota Viking kicker as well? He trains for the high school level, the NCAA and NFL as well, and we're getting the first-time opportunity to let him be a part of our family here on Southern Sports Central. Guys, don't go anywhere. Hour three right after this.
Welcome to Southern Sports Central, your source for all things sports, with your host, Richie Altman, Richie Altman. and Eugene Benton taking your call at 323-784-9681. Now, let's join Richie in the studio. everybody. I'm Rich Yeltman here. Hour number three is ready to kick off with a little bit of style, and we're doing it on special teams, doing special things with the one and only. Let me bring him in with some old school jams. That is uh, Coach Dan Oiner. Like that, ladies and gentlemen, bringing them in in style. Of course, once again, we get a chance to have a conversation, this time on the great network of Southern Sports Central. The good coach all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina, Dan Orner. Coach, thanks for being a part of our show tonight. No, I really appreciate you guys having me part of the show. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's an absolute honor. I appreciate it. Well, I tell you what, man, you're a household name around this studio. I know Eugene's uh, got to be one of your biggest fans, and along with them, there's so many kids that you have come across uh, here in the low country, but across the state of South Carolina and all the way uh, across the country, man. What a great job and a resume that you've built uh, all the way from your days at North Carolina to the Vikings and uh, here now is uh, giving back to the communities uh, no matter where you go. No, it's, it's, you know, I've been blessed obviously with some great kids that love to work hard and in the Carolinas and we've kind of, kind of put, North Carolina and, and, and the state of South Carolina on the map as a as kind of a kicking powerhouse around the country. It's it's been uh, it's been awesome to grow over the last 15 years. Yeah, I tell you what, you've done a great job growing. Uh, what to expect, what to do, what not to do uh, in special teams, uh, doing special things. You know, we were actually uh, coach at a camp this past weekend, and the one biggest thing that I struggle with the most. And Eugene will smile from ear to ear, and I'm sure you will as well when I bring this up, is that they just don't love on the special teams. I mean, let's be honest, our state alone, heck, down here in the low country, uh, we've got some great kickers. Down all the way, uh, of course, uh, down in the lower part of the low country, all the way down to Augusta, there's a kid that can kick it a mile away. Uh, What is it about these camps, and what do we need to do to, to get them a part of the show and a part of that conversation? I think I think it's becoming I think it's definitely becoming a little bit more of a forefront with college coaches. They're planning ahead. They're, you know, I, I'm starting to get questions three years out. All right, who's who's the guy? You know, once once a kid is, you know, a scholarship, they're they're kind of already asking me. All right, who's the guy four years out? They're gonna they're gonna try to replace them. I think, you know, the schools that that have been serious about it on on the East Coast and the ACC and SEC have kind of reaped the benefits and. Um, you know, it's, it's, if you're able to find a great kicker or a great punter, you're able to control a, a third of the game. And, 
you know, sometimes a punter is the, the best defensive player on the team, and sometimes, you know, your your kicker is 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 almost a a scoring machine, as 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 seen in with some of the ACC schools. Hanging out right now with one of the best in the business when it comes to training him up. He does an incredible job, and that is Dan Orner, former UNC Tar Heel, Minnesota Viking, and today part of our family traditionally right here on Southern Sports Central as he educates us, updates us, and gets us ready for what you need to do. And, again, this could be for all athletes. We're just going to specialize in the special teams here tonight. Now, uh, Coach, uh, tell us a little bit about your running gun. Uh, what, what landed you at North Carolina? Where's your girl playing high school ball? And what got you kicking this thing around, man, getting you paid uh, later in your career? So I grew up actually just north of New York City, and uh, I, I would say like 95% of – of the kickers out there, first love was soccer. Uh, my grandfather played for the German national team. I thought I would go play soccer in college and, you know, had a couple decent opportunities. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to to, to kind of choose where I wanted to go to, to, to college. And, and, you know, I was actually getting ready to commit to Penn State University, to Joe Paterno. I was only about two hours from Penn State and, what happened was they, they over-offered, and all the kids committed. So he, he kind of said, hey, listen, you know, can you come, can you come in, in, the, in, in January? And, and I, at that time, as a, as a 17-year-old kid, it was tough to, to swallow. So fortunately, I had an offer from Michigan State, and, and, a, and a gentleman by the name of Nick Saban was at, at Michigan State. And, and, you know, I was able to I, – I joke around. I went to Michigan State on the one sunny day that was – uh, my recruiting trip, and I was sold after that. And um, I spent two years at Michigan State with Coach Saban, and then he left and went to LSU. And I, I decided not to get a national championship and follow him to to LSU. I actually transferred to Chapel Hill. I was kind of sick of the cold weather, and Chapel Hill was one of the only ACC schools that kind of recruited me at the time. So um, that's how I got down to the Carolinas, and it was just the transition of 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 coach Bunning. And we had some, we had some decent players like Ronald Curry and Julius Peppers. And, you know, we had, you know, five or six first round draft picks. So we had a, a pretty loaded Chapel Hill team now, almost as equivalent as, as they are now. So um, I played my last three years there and then had the opportunity to go play with the Vikings and, um, you know, had, I would, I would say uh, five minutes of fame signed twice, cut twice. And, just knew I wanted to stay in the Carolinas and, and um, you know, uh, and wanted to stay in kicking at some form. And um, one of the guys that I was kind of working with in, while I was in college was a, was a kid by the name of Connor Barth. And his dad really kind of tied me down with like, you, 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 you're gifted at this and, and you should get serious about this. And so I started working with the Barth boys. Those are pretty much my first kids that I work with. And, you know, Connor went on to, to, to break all the records at UNC, and then, you know, he ended up playing nine years in the NFL, and uh, up until this last year was the most accurate kicker in Bucks history. And, um, you know, it really, you know, two kids turned into 12, and, and 12 turned into 24, and now we got a couple hundred kids in the Carolinas. We got 52 active, active uh, kickers and punters throughout the ACC, SEC, uh, we have three guys in the Pac-12 now, and and um, four guys in the Big Ten. So, um, it's 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 uh, it's been an awesome journey and a, and a lot of work over the last 15 years. 
hanging out with a guy that's not only what you know and how you do what you do, he's doing it big with over 300 full scholarships for kicking and punting. Of course, he's had his hands on, and that is the one and only Dan Orner, former UNC Tar Heel. And let's go ahead and say he's part of uh, the Smarties team as well, former Michigan State there when Nick Saban was doing his thing there. And, of course, then uh, did it with the Vikings for quite a time there and now here tonight, Southern Sports Central. You've seen this whole recruiting thing, Dan, change tremendously. You and I, of course, uh, probably not too far in age. When you look at uh, some of the things, yes, it's good, and some of the things not as good. And Twitter is a little bit of both, right? Uh, how much when you meet with these kids in Charlotte, or I know you've been down to the Dale over at the Citadel to do some working with a lot of kids around uh, the state here, uh, how much do you have in that conversation box before you even start kicking the ball around? I would say I lead off every single lesson, group session, camp, with with always recruiting. I think it's one of the most important things. I think – you know, unfortunately, there 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 are a bunch of traps out there, and and you know there there's some unfortunately some people I would say preying on, you know, kids and parents that are are sometimes uneducated. I grew up in a pretty blue collar family where, you know, uh, you know, spending five six hundred dollars on a camp was was kind of a big deal, and and you know uh, I try to educate all my parents and kids. Um, you know, throughout COVID, we had Zoom calls with. 50 to 60 people on at a time. And, and at times we shut down the, the zoom call just because um, too many people, but that was the big thing that we were trying to do is just, just educate folks. So they were not, you know, wasting money. They were spending money towards um, things that would actually help their, their kids. And, you know, it was challenging. It was challenging through COVID. It was almost, it was almost like the 1990s again, where, you know, the kid that made the best tape or supplemental tape, really was getting noticed when, when football wasn't going on. So um, it, it was almost fortunate that I grew up in the, the recruiting period of the 90s where, you know, we kind of created a Friday Night Lights where, you know, we had long snappers and live holders, and we did this every Friday just to keep not only kids, you know, motivated, but, but coaches were asking for film on a regular basis. And at, at that time, we didn't know if college camps would happen. Um, and I think I, I've obviously learned a lot, and, and, and fortunately enough, having you know some good partners in the ACC and SEC that kind of will kind of give me a heads up and say, hey, listen, this is what we're looking for. Um, these are the type of kids we're looking for. And um, you know, fortunately for me, um, I, I think a lot of the college coaches lean on me, knowing that I'm going to give them kind of a finished product versus um, kind of smoke and mirrors uh, with with a good tape, you know. So. Uh, education is probably the, the, the most important thing I can do for, for my kids and, and parents just so, you know, they spend their time and money wisely. And, um, you know, I, I would say there's there's even some colleges that are they're trying to, to block and tackle and get as many kids as they can to a camp. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it's, it's also educating kids that, hey, you know what, you know, everybody can't go to Alabama. Everybody can't go to, to, to Chapel Hill or Clemson. And it's it's educating kids that hey you know what you need to maybe reevaluate um, and um, and look at some of the smaller schools that are awesome opportunities in, in in the southeast anywhere from Citadel to Furman to Wofford to even Coastal I mean there, there's just some awesome um, awesome you know smaller Division one school opportunities that that offer a ton as well. 
hanging out with the coach, Dan Orner. He, of course, does special things with the special teams, and he's done it for quite some time. And check out his resume. He's got a Super Bowl champion, one or two players that he's coached up. He's also, of course, got an all-ACC kicker and punter. He's got six Army All-Americans, two USA Today All-Americans, and a lot more to talk about here for the next few minutes as uh, we're very blessed to have him in here. Uh, here tonight talking about what to expect coming in here to this year and, and for you special teams doing special thing guys hey look it's about you for the next 30 minutes because always Dan you know they talk quarterbacks and receivers but you know it's a game of inches but usually a lot of times it comes down to the guys that do what you do and are done and now doing of course what you're coaching and that is to have that ice in your veins and to be able to drain it from wherever you're staying. No, 100%. I, I always try to, you know, coaches, you know, the, the college coaches were doing Zoom calls, special teams coaches around the, the country in this downtime, you know, when recruiting wasn't happening. So I was actually jumping on recruiting calls where it would be 50, 50 college special teams coaches and they would be just grilling me. Um, and the same thing with the NFL uh, coaches and scouts. You know, there's often times where I go into and they, they're asking me, what are the characteristics of a good kicker? What do you look for in a great punter? What, 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 what things should we be looking for? And I think the good thing is that I would say 10 years ago, college coaches did not want to get educated. They just wanted you to kind of serve them kind of the, the best kicker in the area. And, um, and now they're, they're, they're getting educated. They're sitting down and watching film. I, I talked to the Kansas state coach last week and he's, he, he was, you know, he was sitting down with his kickers and punters and, and looking at frame by frame and stuff that just didn't happen, you know, 10 years ago. These guys are, are, are taking the time to, to, uh, to educate themselves, and, and essentially it's, it's going to help, it's gonna help their, their, their players a ton. And, and for me, the analogy I always look at is, is kind of the, the, the firefighter analogy is that you know, everybody's running out of a burning building on fourth down, and, and usually the kicker, um, most of the guys that, that, that I work with, these guys should be screaming at the coach to to tell them to, hey, let's, let's kick it, let's kick it. They should be excited. And I think most of the firefighters are the same way, whether it be here in the, in the Carolinas or New York City, when a burning building, they're sprinting towards that opportunity to put out a fire. And, and that is one of the, the, the key characteristics that I try to – you know, first educate, um, you know, college coaches and NFL coaches, that, that guy that is, that's already running out into the field looking for the opportunity versus kind of waiting by the net going, please don't call on me, you know? Yeah, and, and I like your analogies there because I think they're right on point and, and very well put together. And I am going to talk to you before I get you out of here about it takes a special kind of athlete to do special teams because I tell you, some of the most enjoyable Friday nights or Fridays before or days before I get to Friday nights is watching kickers uh, and, and that personality that they carry is different than any other athlete on the field. We'll talk about that before uh, you go, Coach. But let me talk to you a little bit about some of the camps because – as big as the camp was this past weekend, you know, I got an opportunity, thanks to Eugene, who has covered it uh, with uh, Southern Sports Central and just being around, is, is the guys over at Coles and, and all that they do. And to see such a mega production of nothing but special teams, holy moly, didn't realize, uh, you know, the dedication until you really sit back and watch. But when they went to Tennessee, I believe is where they were, Dan, it, it was amazing to see that many guys 
doing what they do. We're not sure some of the ladies, right? Because I've seen some pretty good solid female kickers as well. Uh, can you talk about how they really amped up some of these camps more than uh, they have in the past? You know, I, I think that he, he – I think that the Coles organization has done a good job from a national standpoint. You know, they obviously get on 50 planes and they hit all 50 states. And, you know, I think that they have done a good job with regard to, you know, getting the, the kid from all – from small town Iowa, some exposure. And, you know, I think ultimately college coaches use um, the Coles camps as kind of a baseline. Um, but what I always try to educate folks with is, is you know, that, that's a good starting point. Money best spent is always going to be um, getting in front of the actual decision makers. And the decision makers are usually the head coaches, the CEOs of the organization. And, um, you know, I, I always tell folks if you have to budget and you had a budget for, for seven or eight camps, you know, it should be at a specific university where you're actually getting in front of the person that's going to, you know, make a decision. Um, you know, I, I, I've worked with the, the – I've had the privilege to work with the, the kickers from Clemson for the last nine years dating back to Chandler Catanzaro, who was a, a South Carolina kid. And, and at the end of the day, they call me every single year and say, Dan, we want your best guy for every four years. Um, but at the end of the day, Coach Sweeney is making that decision. It's not Dan Warner. It's not, it's not Coles. It's not uh, any of these other organizations. They, they, they're using what we're saying as a baseline. Um, and at the end of the day, we, we always will be a sounding board if two kids are, you know, head-to-head. But – Again, if 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 I was a parent and I had a son who was 16 and he 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 had to get ready for college, um, it's kind of like buying a car. Everything always looks good online. There's no scratches. Mm. You know, the tires are always shiny. The lights look great, but you still got to go down to the dealership um, and hopefully push on the gas and see the brakes and walk around the car before you're you're going to make a purchase. Um, and and the college coaches are the same way. Um, the analogy they always say to me is, is, you know, what I see with my own eyes, I believe, believe the most. And, and, uh, I think that's super important. And, uh, it's something that I try to push on, uh, with my kids is, is, um, you know, making sure that, um, they're ready for those college camps. Um, it's something that we do, um, pretty much, um, the entire year. I have a group of guys, about 25 guys in the Carolinas that we kind of call our special ops group. And we get together once a month and we simulate all of the college camps, um, the different styles and camps. We simulate a college camp for a full day. So kids get used to having to have pressure on them, having an evaluation period, having competitions, breaking for lunch, maybe, you know, making adjustments in your day. Um, if you had a great day or continue in your day, if you had a great day and, um, you know, I always try to tell the kids if if if, if you win the competition, that's great. But you gotta you gotta really win and dominate, and be and be different and better than something that they have or or match um, something that they currently have. Hanging out and getting educated here tonight with the special teams and one of the best, if not the best in the business is Dan Warner. If you're not working with him and you're a kicker, you're doing special teams, you're missing out on an opportunity to get better. We'll do what we can to get you connected with this amazing coach, of course, that's played in college. He's played in the NFL and he's getting it back here city by city and stride by stride here, uh, here on Southern Sports Central tonight. Now, coach, uh, let's talk about some of our ballers, and uh, we'll start here in South Carolina. I, I know about 
four or five of them, but I'm going to bring a few names to you. We got Spencer, we got Drew, uh, we've got, I believe, Kanoa. We got, of course, uh, that little freshman that can, and that is, of course, Coleman. Uh, there's so many names, and again, I don't want to start naming too many because I'm going to miss a few, but right off the rip, I think I hit four or five top kickers around the state and not possibly ready to go in the nation. Yeah, I think you're you're definitely covering, you know, four or five of the best. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that that um, someone asked me the other day was, was you know, uh, it was a, uh, maybe it was a college coach at, at – at Oregon State, he was like, how, how are you, how, how are your guys, how are you producing six or seven full rides out of the state every year? And really, I, I think, you know, part of that is definitely on me. Part of it, 100% is on the kids and the family, the hard work that they do. But, you know, it's, it's so relatable. I mean, this past weekend, we had seven NFL guys at camp, um, and they're all, they're all from the Carolinas or surrounding area and they're saying you know what this kid was was right here where i was four years ago and they're getting a blueprint from a bt potter or a mitch jeter or um or bradley pinion someone that that is 20 miles from that where they grew up that speaks the same language that that looks the same and um the motivational factor is going i can definitely do this undoubtedly and i think you know, guys like Coleman that that get that experience at some, such a young age and where his foundation is, you know, he, he's more technically sound than I would say um, a half dozen of the college kickers that, that, that are in college right now. So from a fundamental standpoint, you know, as he gets stronger, he's going to be an insert and play type kid in college you know, definitely in the ACC or SEC type scheme, just because his kicking IQ is that of a uh, a second or third year guy in college already. And I think, you know, obviously hats off to his 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 parents and and support staff and and, and I think also to you know the the kids like Spencer and Drew and John Love and Kanoa and Coleman, these kids all have the want to be great. And I think that is one of the toughest things to find is that a lot of times some of the parents want it. Some of the kids kind of dip their foot in the water, but these kids really have the want to be great and, and not just be great, but, but dominate. They want to put their, their name to make sure it's a household name, like a, um, like a BT Potter at Clemson or a Nick Skiba at, um, at Wake Forest, who, who who's a Clover kid and um, is getting ready to break the NCAA record for most accurate kicker in NCAA history, which is, when you think about how long college football has been around, is just, it's a jaw dropper. So um, they're getting to hang around with these kids at, at all my camps. They kick with them. The Panthers kicker comes out and kicks with these guys on, 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 uh, on Monday nights. So, um, they're getting a chance to not only kick with NFL guys, but that guy is saying, hey, make this adjustment. And um, I think that's pretty unique. Um, it's something I wish I had when I was younger, and that's kind of always been my vision is that um, you can – it doesn't matter who you're training with. What you put into it is what you get out of it. Um, and this weekend, um, you know, my Panthers kicker, Joey Sly, he's like, who are you training with? And I'm like, a couple to ninth and tenth graders, he's like, I'm there. Tell them to be ready. So um, – I think it's awesome. It's awesome. It's a it's a family atmosphere, and uh, it's something that we've 
we've um, you know truly truly grown over the last 15 years. Hanging out with uh, again a legend here on the show and uh, definitely make us a little bit better, if not a lot better tonight, is Dan Warner, former college athlete. He played at a couple of spots, Michigan State, University of North Carolina. He's also Minnesota Viking, where I'm getting an update here that he played with uh, Coach O, who is uh, a defensive mindset over there at Oceanside. So we'll talk about that with him. And also, he's an MVP of his own. How about that? He was a Super Bowl MVP with the Vikings. So, Coach, that will be one of the things we finalize and talk about uh, some of your own personal success, because I know you like to focus on the athletes as well. But, of course, uh, Ryan Suckup, one of your most recent uh, prodigies, who now has a Super Bowl ring as well with Tampa. Uh, but, again, back to the conversation earlier, Coach, where I said it just seems different in special teams. They're watching the kickers on the sideline, they're sometimes doing fake photo shoots during practice. I, I have more fun going to high school football practices, covering different teams, as I did at Somerville for so many years. And sometimes, Coach, I would sit back and just watch the kickers because they do their own thing. And I get it. Sometimes they get bored because they get a break and in between. But I've seen them having their own bobsled team. I've seen photo shoots happening with the fake camera. I mean, it, again, it, it takes a certain style kit, I think, to do what they do on a Friday night. No, I think without a doubt. I think I think most specialist units in college are, are a pretty fun group. And, you know, uh, I, I think that um, it's a unique blend. It's a blend of, of snappers. Um, punters and, and, and kickers and some guys obviously you know, I think that is one of the, the, the things that's actually a good thing is that if you watch a lot of defensive backs in pregame they're all dancing they're all cutting up they're having a great time and I think you know when, when guys get too tense that's when uh, you know that, that paralysis in the brain sets in and, and you can get paralyzed so you know if, if that's the worst thing they do is 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 they're playing punt and golf at practice to stay loose or to work on their craft or, or, uh, or something like that, I think, I think it's a good thing that, that guys are able to, you know, uh, to definitely stay loose. And, uh, you know, obviously there's a down, there's downtime. There's, there's, there's ways that, that you can kill that downtime. Um, there's just no way you can kick all practice and, and uh, kind of like a major league pitcher. Those guys are all in the bullpen. They're all cutting up. They're joking around and, when they get that call on the phone, that that switch goes off, and I think that I, I think that most of the specialists have that switch of, hey, they can they can go from from one end of the spectrum to the next, and uh, um, I think you have to. I think you have to be able to be to be loose and and um, and be able to, to to have that internal switch to to flip it on. Not only if you're playing in high school or in college, um, you know I, I've I've I've, I've talked to kids just recently and, and the kid said to me, the best thing that ever happened to me is I missed a 25, 25 yarder on national TV. I just learned to relax a little bit more and kind of found myself. And, and uh, you know, unfortunately sometimes you get a, a great learning lesson that way and, and, um, and, and vice versa guys, you know, I, I was, I was fortunate enough to be down on the field for the Super Bowl and with Bradley Pinion and Ryan Suckup and, and, you know, I think I was a little bit more stressed out than they were. I, I was I, – everybody was like, hey, let's have a close game. And and I was hoping for a blowout. And, and sure enough, you know, you know, uh, Pinion had a bunch of tries and, and you know, Suckup had a, a 52-yarder in the Super Bowl. And I think most of us as kids would love that opportunity to run out and get a, 
you know, kind of a, a walk-off home run like that. I mean, it, it's it's kind of it's kind of kind of special, you know. I agree, uh, and I am going to talk to you because I want to hear about some of the guys you have in college because I want our listeners to hear your success story because again, that's your resume, and that is again was what I believe honestly uh, tells the story of its own about some of those guys. But go backwards a little bit. I'm a former college baseball pitcher, and I understood that entire analogy there of the leg to the arm and and how many miles, because I think everybody's got a certain amount of mileage on their body in certain positions. Now, kickers, it's nonstop, and pitchers, it's nonstop, just different joints there. Uh, There was a young man down here in the area that we're in now that that suffered a a pretty serious injury as a a senior, and it ended up pretty much costing his senior year. And and it's sad because I've watched this kid kick so much, and I used to wonder, I know as a baseball player, you don't want to throw over so many pitches, is there a rule, Coach Dan, that, that there is so many times you really want to take that kick across the field and, and uh, kind of give us the breakdown of what is that magical number? Yeah, I think that there definitely is, a, a without a doubt, a pitch count analogy. And, and I think a lot of college coaches and NFL special teams coaches use that pitch count analogy. You know, I, I, I try to tell folks, you know, if, if you have soreness as a kicker or pain when you're kicking, that's kind of an alarm going off in your brain that something technically is not right. And, you know, you have to kind of seek out, you know, you have to seek out some people that have some, you know, kind of form expertise. I have a, actually have a, a, a second major from Chapel Hill in, in biomechanics. So I'm kind of able to see some of that stuff that I think some of the other guys, you know, just might not just have an eye for. And um, I think that's one of my gifts is really my eyes. And I think that, you know, as a kicker, you know, I would say as a younger kicker, you definitely have to get positive reps. But there's there's drills. There's things that, you know, ninth and 10th graders can do to get positive reps in that 50 to 60 ball count um, that is not, uh, you know, really truly invasive on their body. And, and, you know, as guys get older, I think they're able to – they have those 10,000 reps, as they say. And, um you know, I, I think there's certain times a year to go to go hard, and and um, you know, I have I have some guys in right now in the NFL, and they're just starting to get back into kicking, so they're they're going to be on the lower end of the spectrum in terms of kick count or punt count, and some guys that are in spring ball. Um, before spring ball, usually I will sit down with guys and just kind of redo the plan, and we'll, we'll say, All right, you know what, we're going to kick four days this week. You know, here's what we like. Here's what we need to to adjust. And I would say on a typical basis for most of your kickers, you know, if you warm up and, and do some contact drills, you know, in a, in season is obviously a little bit different than, than out of season. But in season, you know, your Monday is pretty pretty much your heavy work day. You know, so if you hit 50 reps on a Monday, by Tuesday you should be down in the 30s. Um, you know, by Wednesday your reps should be cut in half. Thursday is typically in college kind of a walkthrough day. Um, and then, call, call, you know, you really should be kicking limited on a Friday, if, if, if any, um, because of walkthrough. And, and same thing with high school. You kind of say Monday's your heavy day. You know, by Thursday, you should not be kicking any balls and just fresh to go out there and, and tear it up on, on a Fridays. And the NFL, day, NFL guys are just a little bit different just because um, of their work days and kind of difference of, you know, the NFL owns Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night. So, you know, sometimes their weeks are different. Sometimes they get less time off and quicker turnaround. So I would say most of the NFL guys 
are really kicking maybe three days a week tops um, versus your high school guys. You know, you kind of need those repetitions to keep them kind of together. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the kind of old school mentality of, hey, kicker, go over to that side field and kick until um, – um, kick until I call you, it's kind of gone away. I think even some of the high school coaches are, you know, they're definitely a little bit more progressive and they're, they're realizing that, um, that these kickers and punters are valuable and whether it be onside kicks or, you know, uh, you know, specialty punts, rollouts, stuff like that. There's a lot of things that guys can do that they can be light work and, and don't take so much of a toll on their body. Um, so, that is something I do as well. I sit down with most of the guys and, and, and just kind of help them have a blueprint, not only for the season, but for the off season. Um, like we have some guys back on spring break right now. And, um, um, you know, basically I'm kind of shutting them down for three weeks as compared to the high school guys. Um, you know, they really have 45 days um, until camp start June 1st. So, you know, really for the high school guys, they should be kicking, you know, four times a week, pretty heavy in that 50 to 60 ball range. And then when May hits, you know, they can get out, they can get out, you know, five times a week, um, decrease the reps and kind of get themselves ready for the load of college camps. And that, that is just a, it's kind of a bear. You know, most of the college college coaches line up the camps pretty much pretty close to each other. And some of them are trying to block each other. um, But other times it's just scheduling of, of around, uh, you know, other camps, positional camps where they just, you know, have to lock in dates. So, you know, there's times where a kicker and punter would have to go to a back-to-back day. And, you know, it, it, I, I, the easiest way for a, a non-educated kicking person to think about is, is a quarterback throwing, you know, that last play, a Russell Wilson thrown from his opposite 20 to the goal line. That's That's the same thing as a kicker swinging every single time. So, you know, there's no way they're going to ask a quarterback to throw 50 Hail Marys in a practice. That would just – that wouldn't be smart. So, um, it's the same type of thought process with the kickers and punters. Um, there's a lot of drill work that guys can do to kind of take stress off their body but still be, uh, you know, uh, beneficial. Hanging out, learning a lot here with an MVP, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, he was the MVP back in the day in the Super Bowl as uh, Minnesota Vikings. And now tonight he's an MVP on Southern Sports Central. That is Coach Dan Horner. Now, Coach, uh, you know, great job, by the way. And this is the first of so many that I'm going to be bringing you back in here. And I thank you, Gene, for putting this together to having you in here with me because I I wanted to learn a lot about the special teams. And and I try to give these guys and uh, your guys, if you will, uh, a lot of props because I feel like it's, it's a lost art in a lot of ways. Uh, and not a lot of attention is given. And with you mentioning camps, mentioning a few things, uh, you know, the one thing that I- I'm curious when it comes to a kicker, uh, talk to me a little bit about what's the deal between the film versus the camp rankings. I mean, we get so heavy, even in other positions, as, as J.J. Watts was a guy that had very little stars, but, boy, he's sure making a lot of stars now, right? So many times we get focused and fixated on the wrong things. Uh, what is it like in the special teams, though, when it comes down to your kickers and, and, and those guys and girls uh, as it gets into the film versus the camp and the rankings that come out uh, with you guys? I think it's very tough not to get, especially as a 16-year-old kid. I mean, everything right now, or 17-year-old kid, everything right now is 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 visual. Everything is online, social media. Everything is updating real time, and, and I think it's very hard not to get kind of get caught up in that and, hey, I'm number five versus 23. Um, 
hey, I'm, I'm X, Y, and Z. But, you know, I, I think it's tough. I, I think it's tough if, if you're a ranking camp or a, um, or a star camp. I think it's very tough in, in a full day, you know, uh, to, to, you know, truly evaluate a kid in one day. I think it definitely I, – I'm just a little bit more of a body of work type, type coach where, you know, I realize that kids are evolving and that kids wake, wake up and they have bad days. So for me, it's, it's more of a body of work. And, and that's one of the things I try to educate the college coaches that I have as partners and, and saying, and I think they know, Hey, listen, I use this as a baseline. I understand that if a kid sends me film that, you know, in the month of April, it's pretty dang windy and in Oklahoma as it is in, in, in the Carolinas. And I think coaches are now, you know, they're sending out templates to, for a kid to kick because they've been finally educated. Years ago, you know, college coaches would send me a tape from a kid from Florida. Well, all of his kickoffs went the same direction. And, you know, the coach is like, this is incredible. I've never seen kickoffs like this. And I would look at the tape and say, hey, coach, do you realize the flag is about to come off the, 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 the pole? Do you, you see the cheerleader's hair down on the, on the, on the on the track, her hair is completely to the side. This kid only kicks off one day, one way. Um, I even had a kid um, recently where a college coach sent me a tape from a kid from Tennessee, and all the kids' kickoffs were going through the through the uprights and not going through. They were going through by 20 yards. Well, the coach sent us because this is the best kickoffs I've ever seen. I said, Coach, he's on an online field, and he's kicking from the 50-yard line. And I, I mm-hmm. think, you know, it, there's definitely a lot of gamesmanship um, with with kids and and some kids are going out and, and creating awesome tapes of um, of of multiple kicks and, and some kids are kind of piecing it together with editing. So I think college coaches are getting they're getting trued up to that and they they understand they want continuous film. They want to see a kid that you know um, that can hit continuous balls from multiple distances. Um, and the easiest way to think about that is. If I go to Top Golf, every once in a while I hit a ball to the back, the back net. That doesn't make me a pro golfer. And I think coaches realize that, um, you know, replication is the key. And and um, you know, if you go into most, you know, special teams coaches' rooms, not only in high school but college and NFL, is is um, you know, replication, 100% inside of 40 uh, inside of 40 yards, red zone kicks. You know, they want good ratios on punts. So. So a high school punter, they want to see a guy that um, that can, you know, consistently hit a ball 40 yards um, in over four-second hang time. And I think, um, you know, in the, in the past 10 years, you know, I, I think people have been um, a little pissed with, with the Australians with, you know, 25, 35-year-old guys coming over here and hitting balls. But, you know, I I actually think they're pushing the envelope and they're making, you know, kids having to work harder and they're, they're making kids um, come to realization is that, you know what, there's someone in another part of the country that's, that's using their feet more than their hands. And, and um, I I think that it's, it's opening kids eyes up to how much harder they have to train. So, um, you know, to, to really answer your question, I still think college coaches, with the exception of maybe one or two kids in each class, college coaches use the stars um, and the rankings as a baseline, and they're going to want to still always see those 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 guys in person. Um, and uh, a perfect example: we had a kid 
um, Josh Carty, who was a uh, um, he was an Under Armour All American. The first college camp he ever went to was Georgia, um, and I had sat you know stood on the 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 table to coach Coach Martin said this is the best high school kicker that I've ever seen. And Josh goes, he was super nervous his first time kicking in a college camp, and and he probably made 50% of the kid the kicks he made, and. You know, the, the coaches called me right away and said, man, what happened? I said, man, he, he was just super nervous. you got you got to give him another shot. And fortunately, they did. They ended up going to his high school. He went 19 for 20 back to 65 yards and hit all of his kickoffs over the uprights. And they ended up offering him. But a lot of times it doesn't happen like that. So you could just, you know, honestly have a bad day. And, and it's tough because uh, these guys are human and they're under a lot of pressure just like you and I. So I'm going to ask you two questions. We're hanging out with Coach Dan Orner, played in the college level at a high level there, played uh, with the Minnesota Vikings where he was the MVP of a Super Bowl, and tonight again hanging out with us on Southern Sports Central. Now, Coach, a uh, couple of things. Number one, you mentioned uh, the Australian kickers, and LSU mentioned uh, them earlier with a guy that you know a little bit about, Nick Saban. I don't know if it was Coach Saban that brought him in, but it seemed like for a while that LSU was – was always about those uh, kickers from Australia from down under. They were uh, beating the Gamecocks uh, with a lot of fake punts and fake kicks and things like that. Talk about that and, and, and where that kind of originated from. And then if you'll also kind of touch on, does it work or doesn't it work, where you used to hear where they would play loud music against the kickers. Is that kind of an old wives' tale, or is that something that you feel like is a very productive drill that they do uh, when they know they're going into a hostile environment? You know, I think I think the you know really the Australian movement really started with Darren Bennett. Um, he was a longtime Charger. He was a you know a Australian uh, Football Hall of Famer. You know, just he was a massive guy. He had that incredible touch. He was six foot six. You know, just a big. He's a big. He was a big long giraffe, as we used to say. And I actually spent some time with him when he was with the Vikings. And um, you know, I think. You know, he started kind of opening folks' eyes up to of, of hey, you know what? When when the Americans are throwing the ball around at a tailgate, the Australians are using their feet, and they can do things on the run um, because they were doing it on a regular basis. Um, and I think that um, some of the schools have have definitely reaped the benefits for that and had success with that. And I think I think that um, you know those guys really have pushed the envelope and and. Um, Brad Wing was the punter at, at LSU that kind of, I, I would say he was one of the guys that kind of put the Australians on the map and, um, you know, he's super athletic, fake punts running down the sideline. And, and, and the thing was is that he not only was just doing fake punts, but he was running away from SEC players down the sideline. So you really have some professional athletes from other countries that are the 1% of their country coming over here to, to kick and punt. So, you kind of would expect those guys to be to be sex, successful, and, and I think that you know some of these guys are you know 25, 27 years old, so they're coming in as a as a physical grown man, and that next set of strength at at 28 to to 30 is is just different than a you know a, a high school kid that is just starting to develop or start using a a, a weight room for the first time. So um, it is something that's completely different. So. Um, but in terms of the, the, the environment, I, I think that um, it is one of the toughest things to, to acclimate guys to. As I tell coaches, we, we kind of play crowd noise. 
on speakers at some of my camps and I have the college guys walk around and hold the speakers over their heads with, with crowd noise and people cheering. Um, but there's, there's no way that I can acclimate a kid to coach Saban standing behind you for a game winner to, to end practice. There's no way I could, um, I can acclimate a kid of coach Sweeney standing next to a kid or, or Mac Brown, um, is standing next to a kid at practice that that pressure is just, um, and some kids love it. Some kids love it. And some kids, some kids crumble in it. And I think that, um, the more situations they get in like that, the more comfortable they get. Um, it's kind of like breaking the ice, you know? Um, I, I think that, um, there's a reason why our Navy SEALs and SEAL Team 6s and Black Ops teams are the best in the world, and it's because of the training and because everything they do is is done in a hostile environment. Most of the guys are, are getting yelled at or having water thrown on them or bullets are going off. Obviously, they, they can't probably do that at a high school or college football setting, but anytime you can kind of get in that half-circle gauntlet, just like the Oklahoma drill as a kicker, you want to be able to um, eventually feel comfortable. So I, I welcome it. I think it's awesome. I think um, it's a great weed-out process as well, not only for high school guys but for, for college and NFL guys as well. Um, and it happens on all levels. Learning a lot here tonight and a power hour with one of the best in the business is Coach Dan Orner, former UNC Tar Heel, also Michigan State. He played in the NFL with the Minnesota Vikings and continues to get those young ballers from high school to college and in the NFL. Now let's talk about those who you do have in college and who you do have in the NFL. We mentioned stuck up on a few names in the NFL coach, but talk to us, uh, give some love to those guys that you have helped along the way that are playing college ball in a little NFL as well. Yeah. So, um, it's been a, it's been an awesome, right. You know, it's, it's funny. I was talking with Eugene, um, when we had we had talked about you know the opportunity to come on the show over the over the summer and I said I've never done a a, a kicking resume and um, over the last 15 years um, you know I, I fortunately had the opportunity um, to go in and speak to some some NFL teams over the last couple of months just about special teams and um, and was able to create a little resume so. Um, we have we have seven of the 32 guys in the NFL right now with, you know, the two Super Bowl champions, um, Bradley Pinion um, and, and Ryan Suckup. Um, and then I also work with the Broncos punter, Sam Martin, um, the Los Angeles Rams kicker, Matt Gay. Um, and then we had one guy um, that actually just got released last week, Cameron Nizalek, um, who was with the Jaguars. Um, but then longtime guys like Connor Barth, he spent nine years in the NFL. Drew Butler is the only um, two-time uh, Ray Guy Award winner. Um, and um, guys like Casey Redfern, um, who went to Wofford, and he spent you know the last seven or eight years in the NFL. Spencer Lanning, that was a, a Rock Hill kid. He spent time with the Browns and the Bucks and the Broncos. Um, and then, obviously, Chandler Catanzaro, who's – you know, arguably the, the greatest uh, Clemson kicker of all time. The, the, the joke that a lot of folks always talk about is, is if Cat didn't kick that game winner against, uh, against LSU, the, the face of the program and maybe even Coach Sweeney may be a lot different. So he is, he's a, it's like walking around with one of the Beatles when you're with Cat and Zero and at a Clemson game. So um, it's pretty neat. And, um, 
Then we have some awesome college guys. We have uh, BT Potter who plays at Clemson. Um, Will Spires that plays at Clemson. Connor Lighton, who's a kicker at Boston College. Um, Ryan Fitzgerald, who's a kicker at Florida State. Um, Brent Samaglia, he's the kicker at Georgia Tech. Austin Kent will be the punter. Uh, we have an all-ACC kicker at uh, NC State named Chris Dunn, all-ACC punter at NC State named Trenton Gill. Um, and then we have an incoming freshman going to NC State on a full scholarship named Ian Williams um, at, at Chapel Hill, Grayson Atkins, um, who's from Bowling Springs, South Carolina, um, and then Ben Kiernan, who's from the Raleigh area, um, is the punter. Um, we have a, a kid from Charlotte at Notre Dame named uh, Jonathan Dewar, um, and then Nick Skiba's at Wake Forest. Um, he's from Clover. Um, and then I also work with a punter at, at Wake Forest as well. He's from the Atlanta area named Ivan Mora. Um, and then a kid, another kicker from the Myers Park area in Charlotte just went to uh, Wake Forest. Um, and then we have a kid from the Rock Hill area named Will Ross who just um, transferred to Virginia Tech. So we pretty much have almost all the kickers and punters in the ACC um, and then we have a kid from Nations Ford, Skylar DeLong, that went to Alabama. Um, Chance Poor, who's from South Carolina, West Side, he's at Kentucky. Um, and then Parker White, who's a kicker uh, at South Carolina. Mitch Jeter, who's from Cannon um, in North Carolina, he goes to South Carolina as well. Um, and then the punter as well. Uh, we have the punter at Tennessee. His name is Paxton Brooks. He's from the Columbia area in South Carolina. Um, and then we have the kicker and punter at Vanderbilt, Joseph Bullivis, who just transferred from Alabama, and Jared Wheatley, he's, um, he's from the Charlotte area. And now we got guys in the Pac-12, which is pretty cool. Josh Carty's at, at Stanford. Um, Camden Lewis is the kicker at Oregon, um, who just won the Rose Bowl. And then Eddie Suspecki, um, he's going to be the starting kicker at Arizona State. So um, that kind of – is is we're starting to spread our wings out to that that side as well as uh we also have one of the kickers at ucla named uh, luke Akers, son of the, the former nfl great david Akers, which is which is pretty neat and then uh we got guys at iowa keith duncan um and then we got guys at michigan um rhett anderson and cole hussung um, and then we have the kicker and punter at penn state and jordan stout and levi forrest and then the uh starting kicker at purdue and Edward Dillinger, um, but um, it's 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 really humbling for me to finally sit down um, and, and kind of really look through all of the conferences. We got guys in the Mid American, at Akron, Miami of Ohio, Toledo, all guys on full scholarship that came out of the Carolinas. Uh, we got the starting kicker and punter at, at ECU, all guys from the Carolinas, um, and then Will Fowler from Spartanburg. He's going to South Florida this year, so. Um, it's, uh, it is, it is truly humbling and, and probably the thing definitely that I'm most proud about if people ask me about my accomplishments. Um, I, I would say it's, it was, it, those are great accomplishments, but there's definitely a different high being a coach, um, and being able to say, these are my guys and being able to go to a Rose bowl or a, a super bowl. And when someone taps me and goes, Hey, why are you here? I'm like, that's that's my guy, and it's not a guy that I, I shook their hands one time. This is a guy that I've um, spent a lot of time with. So I would say, you know, mentioning these guys is is what I am most proud about in in my life as a as a player or a coach. So it's pretty cool.
No doubt. This is pretty cool as we are wrapping it up with a five-star guest here on Southern Sports Central. He is Coach Dan Orner. You just heard that resume, and that, I don't care what you do, how you say it, where you spin it, that's impressive from beginning to end. And, again, he has probably a lot more that he just uh, will get to us on the next time around. Now, Coach, we've got about two and a half minutes, and and i got to know something. I I, I got a chance. Uh, to know Coach Oak pretty well. He's the defensive mindset over at Oceanside. Uh, you know, we're aware that he was a special team captain over there with the Vikings. So you may know a little funny story about this guy. Uh, anything for about two and a half minutes you want to share that we would get a little chuckle out of that we can go back to kind of poke a little fun with Coach O? No, 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 no. I, I, there's certain <laughs> stories that I think that that are best off air and certain that are that are on air. And I think – the, the thing that I think that everybody needs to know is the tremendous job that he's doing over there and developing specialists and continuing to develop specialists on a regular basis. And I think, you know, obviously with the help of Eugene, it, it's just, it, it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch these guys develop. Um, and uh, I think, um, I think they've, they've done an awesome job with not only Spencer, but obviously Coleman's coming up to, to fill the big shoes that 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 Spencer kind of set out, and I think that um, anytime I talk to a high school coach and they have a guy like Spencer that's that's hitting kickoffs through the uprights where they get the ball on the twenty yard line every time, um, it, it's twofold. It allows you to um, you know prepare to go to to prepare to go on defense, and and the second part it allows kids that may not have the opportunity to play to be able to run down the field and. I think as a head coach or a special teams coach, it helps you sleep well at night knowing that um, you have a weapon like Spencer or an upcoming weapon like um, Coleman or uh, a Drew Stevens that is going to hit the ball five to eight yards deep on the opening kickoff, and it it sets the tone. Um, It sets the tone in the Super Bowl. You saw one punter that, um, you know, strategically placed the ball around, and and then the other punter – that, that that the stage might have been a little bit bigger than than it than it should have been for him. So um, I, I think those guys are, are are first class, and 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 that's why I continue to work with them. And and I, I appreciate all the trust they have on me, not only with Coach O, but with with Coach Eugene as well. I think that uh, he obviously does an awesome job with 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 the Low Country guys. I tell you what, on behalf of all of us, to you, Coach, uh, you're welcome here anytime. This is home for you. Uh, anything we can do, uh, we would love to get you down here to do a camp. We would love to put it on the air. Uh, I know Eugene has probably pulled you here a billion times and one. Uh, he's pretty good at get, getting at you. But uh, for you to come on tonight, uh, it's a big feather in my cap personally. Uh, it helps me show by, by my actions that I don't just love one group. I love all the groups on the field, whether it be baseball, football, basketball, doesn't matter. But for me, uh, I greatly appreciate your time because it's very valuable. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again. I met you down at the Dell. It was a very short meeting, but I do yep. look forward to hopefully yep. seeing you soon. No, hopefully we have we continue to have good weather and, and uh, down, down, down in that area. And I love getting down. I, I should be get, getting down there in May. And um, I, I look forward to shaking your hand again. You got it, Coach. God bless you. Take care. We'll catch up to you soon. We'll get out some information on Twitter. But until next time, stay safe and continue doing what you're doing, and we appreciate all that you have done and continue to do. No, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it, guys.
You got it. There he goes, ladies and gentlemen. The bus is making its way back from the Queen City of North Carolina, Charlotte, where we've almost kind of made that a home for us here at Southern Sports Central, along uh, with, of course, our good buddies over at Olympic High School, Mallard Creek. There's a ton of uh, great schools over there in that area that we are so proud uh, to call uh, home. And now, of course, uh, with the, uh, the help of Eugene and so many of our five-star kickers. And I'm going to tell you something. We might be DBU. Uh, but we're also kicker you when it comes to some of the greatest kickers in the country right here in South Carolina. And I just want to thank Coach Dan Warner, who uh, could have done a lot of things tonight, but he decided he would give us an hour, and uh, we took advantage of it. And that will not be, I repeat, that will not be the last time we get him. Eugene, I got about a minute for you, buddy, but great show tonight, great opportunity for us to educate, entertain our guests. Yeah, man, it's been a great show again. Uh, you know, we pulled an ad lib. Uh, we will have Mr. Jeter on uh, next week. It was his mother's birthday, so, you know, we responded back and said, you know what, man, love on your mama. That's your biggest supporter. Big-time quarterback, he'll join us next week. we got a big-time show lined up next week. And for all those listening, we are getting to the spring athletes. You know, we put the feeler out. Uh, we got some big-time spring athletes joining us next week from the ladies and the men's teams. Uh, stay tuned. We will keep it rolling also. Uh, big-time announcement next week. We're going to bring in the baseball folks. We may have a new show starting next Wednesday night. Stay tuned. That, very true. And we do have a couple of new shows coming up on Sunday and Wednesday. We will. We will release that information. If you follow us on Facebook, Southern Sports Central, on Twitter, at SO Sports Central, and, of course, the Gram. We're doing it a little bit better than yesterday at Southern Sports Central as well. Again, David Shelton, RJ Glasgow, also Wes Mitchell from GamePackCentral.com, and the great Dan Orner course does it big time around the country and he's got kickers doing it big all over the world it feels like and tonight we got better and appreciating all of our guests all of our listeners and if you have listened for the first time we welcome you we look forward to getting better together as we focus on our athletes our coaches and our trainers around the state of south carolina and beyond guys don't forget tomorrow morning it is an all-new brandon bisco being with sports unlimited right here on southern sports central kicks off tomorrow morning at seven o'clock from the Grand Strand of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, guys. We, again, thank you for all that you do. If you're a trainer, you're a coach, you're a parent, thank you for taking the time to get that athlete to where they need to be and helping them become a better person on and off their field of battle, guys. Until next time, stay safe and God bless.